the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, it's a Tuesday, and uh, welcome to you for the Tuesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, you can watch us today. Uh, we are on Facebook Live, and, of course, that is uh, just Facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, tune on in, and you can see what's going on here. And today, unlike other days when we would go to breaks, you'd hear the commercials and whatnot, you'll not hear the commercials today. Uh, we will be he- live here in the studio so you just never know. I might just turn my attention like I'm doing right now and talking to you on, on Facebook and have some piece of uh, information that the folks that are listening on the air won't even hear. Special. Yeah, this is this is when it gets interesting to watch uh, what's going on Facebook. In the near future, and we're working uh, to get us back up and on every day, just so you'll know. Uh, and we will not only be on Facebook, but we're working on being on uh, YouTube. We'll have our own YouTube channel as well. So good things are happening. What we're using is a device that's called Mevo, which allows us to uh, get on Facebook and, and get on YouTube. Uh, but the, we're getting some additional uh, equipment that goes along with it. Did you see that new uh stand that comes with that other equipment uh russ that uh, go uh, it, it looks like it goes up about six foot so uh, we can sit it somewhere and maybe not even have to use the the table here in the studio for it so maybe, maybe it. good for re- remote locations oh we'll be doing it i i can tell everybody right now because i talked to russ and he said absolutely we will be broadcasting two to ten on november 6th from cool. uh the uh the, the, part, the party and Republican place over there in the Embassy Suites. Embassy Suites. Yeah, so we'll be covering the, the all of the numbers and everything else uh, while we're uh, on the air. You'll be able to watch it all That'd happen cool. live. Yep, and it'll also be kind of fun at the Capitol. Oh, yeah, you'll yeah. be able to see it at the Capitol. I'll guarantee you we're going to do that. We we have the technology now to carry our, as I say in the biz, a hot spot. <laughs> okay, so we will not have any problem you know, getting on to uh, the internet and getting yeah, to should, places. What might be neat is actually run it kind of behind us and, and point it kind of at the doors of the of the um, house no. chambers. No, I won't. <laughs> they, they gotta, they're going to be seeing your ugly mug. Oh, well, you can, can we get it far enough? They'll see the beauty of Elizabeth angle? and they'll see me and they go, I don't want to see him. <laughs> you know? Anyway, we'll be uh, we'll be doing uh, doing that. Hey, before we get started, I saw a story today in the Dem Gaz, and uh, many of you are familiar with Michael Story, who was a columnist with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, who channeled his musings of his cat, uh, which was of course uh, Otis, and uh, Story was taking a nap in an old armchair. Uh, Sunday, and passed away in his sleep. Mm. 
Uh, he died, oh. and uh, his wife, uh, Cecile, uh, said that information. She suspects he died of heart disease. Uh, he had quintuple bypass surgery back in 1998, and he had a seizure after dinner uh, on September 30th of this year. So that would have been, what, last week? Mm-hmm. And uh, story was 69, was an associate editor and columnist for the newspaper. He grew up in Little Rock, earned a bachelor's degree in English literature in 1970, from what is now Rhodes College in uh, in Memphis. He was a photographer of the U.S. Air Force from 1970 uh, to 74. So I'll let you know he went to uh, Denfos. He would have gone to what we would have called him a Denfos-trained killer because uh, that's the school that I went to as well. In 77, he started work at the Arkansas Democrat, which became the Arkansas Democrat Gazette in 91, he remained at the newspaper for over 40 years until his death. He uh, held several different positions, uh, but he may have been most famous for writing a weekly satire column under the guise of a cat named Otis. Otis, the head, the head cat, cat, first appeared in the Arkansas Dem Gas on February 25th, 1979. Has it been that long? Been a long oh. time. I miss uh, said, uh, his wife said that John Robert Starr, who was the Arkansas Democrats' managing editor, asked what he could do to make Michael happy, and she said to let him write about his cat. <laughs> now, her name was uh, Cecilia Loyal at the time, and she said she was stalking Michael's story. She toilet, toilet papered his house. She stole his ceramic cat and shot photos of it in various places. Obviously, everybody knew I liked Michael and was always messing with him. They were married in 1981. They have a son named Ben, who is now 36 with a family of his own, and it was Michael's second marriage. And uh, Cecilia's story is a Democrat Gazette features editor. Lyndon uh, Finley, former assistant managing editor at the uh, Arkansas Democrats, said it was, quote, a pretty giant leap for a newspaper to allow a column that was written by a fictitious cat. The column purred along, then on <laughs> May 9, 1992, Michael Story wrote that Otis had died. He had had the cat for 17 years, his first cat, but not his last cat. Otis was a talker and complainer, wrote Story. I like to think I was only taking his dictation, he wrote. And I... You know, I I read Michael's uh, stories. He wrote a lot about television, enjoyed those stories, uh, tried many times to get him to come on the air, but he just said it wasn't his medium to come on uh, and didn't want to come on and talk about television. I wanted him to come on and talk about TV, like Lost and things of that nature. And uh, he just said didn't, uh, he'd, he would always bow out, but I would I would contact him by email and talk to him from time to time and ask his opinion of this or that and read his article and i'd read a, a good part of his articles on the air he was he was just a really really uh entertaining writer i enjoyed what he wrote and uh, he will be sorely missed so uh our uh, condolences to his wife and to his son and uh, i'm sure that all of you who I uh, used to read about Otis. 
uh, are going to miss that as well. So I just want to start the, the show off with that. Um, I think he probably had more effect on a lot of people than uh, he ever knew, to be honest with you. So uh, Michael Story has passed away Sunday. He was 69 years old. We'll miss you, Michael. <coughs> Mm-hmm. If you're listening, we miss you. All right. Hope to see you again someday. All right. Let's move on. Big story today in the Democrat Gazette. And I want to start off with this first because I think it's a it's a it's a story that everybody's been waiting to to see and that is uh the uh, state senate their committee dealing with changing uh, the rules for ethics in mm. the uh, the state senate have been meeting and they're they're getting things together dismang can you read that quote from jonathan dismang in in the story for us uh, uh, uh elizabeth i think it was at on the second page right at the top and uh, or maybe on the front page well he's talking about the changes and he says yes. this strikes at the heart of what i think we see as issues and what has been seen as issues over the last several years if you are willing to be employed by a lobbyist and you sit as a member of the legislature mm-hmm. then it should not offend you to have to disclose that and the amount of money that you made from that lobbyist or the firm that employed the lobbyist yeah, it just seems common sense to me. And, you know, I've known Jonathan for several years now. Uh, I worked really hard to see him get reelected the, the, the last, I don't know if it was the last time or the time before that. But uh, he's, I think he's, he was, he's been a good state senator. Um, you know, some people have attacked him because he doesn't think exactly <laughs> – the way they think, but uh, and they say that he he was doing the bidding of the governor. Well, you know, you're the head of the Senate. You're supposed to work with the governor, and he will be in January or January February of two nineteen, right? Well, he'll move out of that position. Uh, Hendren's taking oh, over that right. position. That's right. That's right. We're switching. Yeah, yeah. he takes over. So he'll be just a regular but he's senator yes. at this moment. Why, why he's would, the pro tem. Why would anybody be opposed to legislators divulging or? D- d- pointing out that you know I, I actually do business with these lobbyists that were that are working around us on a regular basis is that why not make it illegal altogether but maybe at the very least disclose that you've got a business relationship with them well here's what senator will bond a democrat of little rock who is an attorney mm-hmm. said straight from the article quote i don't think anyone wants their exact amount they are paying their lawyer or whoever disclosed i don't think that helps the public to know yeah, exactly how about that one? the amount paid to a law firm partner who never served in the legislature and doesn't currently serve in the legislature. Now, they're talking about a detail, but the fact of it is, uh, Democrat Will Bond says, I don't think anybody wants to disclose that. It won't help the public to know. Why? Why wouldn't that help the public to know? Of course it helps the public. It's insane. It's called Will. And I know Will Bond. I mean, you used to have Will Bond on my show. Now he won't even grace uh, his shadow into my studio but the bottom line is because i help will you know i worked hard with you for jacksonville to get their own school system i worked real hard with that but when it comes to us talking politics politics when you became the head of the the democrat party of arkansas uh, you and i kind of parted ways but the bottom line is 
It's called transparency. You know that as well as anybody does. It's transparency. I can't believe he even said that private private citizens do generally have the right to 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 privacy. But we're talking about government officials. These are not private citizens. These are public citizens. We pay them in in their official capacity. (laughs) And the fact is that I I think if someone's going to be a, a lawmaker, they need to expect to give up some of what would generally be privacy rights of general citizens. Apparently. Because because they're 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 more susceptible to bribery and other things, and so they that's need the whole to, point. That's they, what they're trying, attempting to clean up. We, we, is the appearance of bribery. <laughs> we, we need. I think we need to to add exceptional scrutiny, additional scrutiny to um, to lawmakers because the fact that the the fact is that they've got extra power. They get, they're allowed to Absolutely. do things that the rest of us are not allowed to do and they need extra scrutiny. I Apparently think. they ran into a bit of a speed bump when they started talking about these proposals that uh, the the newest proposal has something to do with if you're an attorney and your law firm does lobbying, then you're going to have a reporting requirement if you have a profit sharing in other words, if, if you and I are law right, firm right, partners right. and you've got a lobbying contract, but it, it feeds back into our law firm and I get right. a portion of that money, then I have to report. Because you're benefiting And here's from what it. Will Bond says about that. Some of these law firms have represented their clients for 70 or 80 years unrelated to whether they had a person in the legislature or not. I understand disclosing those clients and maybe even having a box to check. But if you're going to have them disclose to the penny what they were paid in the prior year for legal service – unrelated to governmental affairs you're knocking out a group of possible people who could serve in the legislature and which may be the real intent i get it that's what i feel like the intent is well and and, you know okay if you want to come out and say it i I would be okay with telling attorneys they can't run for for lawmaker positions because the fact is they're part of the they are part of the judicial branch in fact, I mean, you, you point you look at the fact that they they are um, officers of the court from a legal perspective. They're they're under the um, judicial authority. They're under the um, the management, if you will, of the Supreme Court in Arkansas. I'm sorry, these people have got a, a, a conflict of interest. There's already sort of a, a an appearance of conflict. I think there's a serious conflict for attorneys to be part of the legislature. Well, and that's branch. one of the things they're trying to sort of lock down as far as these changes go. So, you know, of course, he says, I think that's the real intent is to knock out possible people who could serve. And uh, Missy Irvin, who's the committee chairman, says, obviously, that's not the intent. This is ridiculous, in my opinion. And what we're trying to do is clean up the culture. There has been one that has been pervasive. And unfortunate. Well, I think so Ms. what are I we seeing Ms. here? We're Ms. seeing Republicans talk about cleaning up, and we're seeing Democrats talk about, oh, my God, why should we have to tell you? Well, I, I think Missy's point is not to, to, to keep attorneys out of the legislature. No. I think her point is to, to cut down on transparency. The, um, I, I think, well, again, she's exactly. only the chair. So. Yeah, I, I, think her, I think her point or her goal is to, um, to stop corruption and at the very least stop the appearance of corruption. Because of the just the, but I don't think she's trying to, to block attorneys. Of Although I would not. do it personally if I could. No, right. of course it, not. Everybody who's watching on Facebook sees that I'm holding my hand up, and what that means is that my other co-hosts have to shut their mouth <laughs> because we've got to make some money. We, if got, we see right. you, <laughs> we, we've got we got to take a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Holland Bottom Farm on Highway 321 in Cabot. They have apples. It's apple season right now. 
They've got tomatoes still, and they've got red ones, and they've got green ones. Watermelons, okra, yellow squash, zucchini, cucumbers, and much more. They've got the fall decor out, pumpkins, regular and decorative, straw. They've got uh, corn stalks, mums, and they even got cotton to do all of your decora- uh, decorations for the fall and, of course, Halloween. They're also open now on Sundays. Had closed down the Sunday operation, but it is back open again. So Monday through Sunday, they're open 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at Holland Bottom Farm, Highway 321, Cabot. Hey, you want a great job where you get to work outside, work with your hands, be part of the community. Uh, If that's what you're looking for, if you want to be with a leading company, a large company, uh, you want to join up a PI Roofing. They are hiring now. I was talking uh, with uh, Joel Johnson, CEO, and the the man who started this company uh, on last Thursday, and uh, they pay up to twenty grand, not twenty grand, twenty dollars an hour. Sorry, they pay up to twenty dollars an hour. So it's a good paying job. You can uh, you know get your ladder of success going with them. They're expanding their operations department so they can better serve their uh, customers. Uh, you can build your future with them. PI Roofing Home Solutions has career opportunities in commercial roofing and services, uh, residential roofing and service division, and their home solutions division. So uh, make a difference with them. Get on that ladder of success. Uh, hook your, you know, hook to their their. Uh, bumper and and go along for the ride apply at piroofing.com or 501-707-3551 that's piroofing.com you can send them your resume and things of that nature and remember they pay up to twenty dollars an hour i mean now if you're just starting a career in roofing or you know the home solutions don't expect 20 bucks you work your way up to that that's called called the ladder of success well, the fact right. is that somebody who's willing to work hard and put their back into work a lot of times you're pretty easily worth 20 bucks an hour yeah once you prove yourself that's exactly right and, and but uh, you know joel really needs people he's looking for them because they are really expanding and that's the time that you want to get with a company is when they're moving forward because you know what they always say if you're not moving forward you're moving back. Don't want to do that. I mean, even if you're sense, if you think you're standing static, you're never standing static because other companies are moving forward, and that means they're going to leave you behind. All right, so let's get back to again what we were talking about the the meeting going on. Uh, Rayford was there, Dismang, Missy Irvin, uh, and they're putting this together. I guess they got a couple of Democrats on there as well who are poo-pooing this. It amazes me Will Bond would poo-poo this. But the committee passed it. Yeah, who else else was on that committee was it uh, that said uh, they've been there for a while, and he said he had somebody that joined up with his firm after some problems or something. This is the part I didn't quite understand. Senator Larry Teague, Democrat from Nashville, is an insurance agent. Yep. said he has a lobbyist. He didn't name the lobbyist. He has a lobbyist who buys insurance from him who bought after I got out of office in the House. Okay. All right. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Elizabeth is here. 
Paul is here. I'm here. RG is on his way. He'll be with us at 3 o'clock and join back up oh, with wow. us for I a couple of hours. I knew he was here in spirit. He's yeah. on his way. <laughs> uh, the person that he was filling in for has gotten back now uh, to work so he can come over here. So he is on his way. We thank you for listening. We thank you for listening and watching on Facebook today. Facebook Live slash Dave Ellswick Show. You'll find it. And I'm sitting here watching the uh, the television in the studio, and this hurricane that's coming to uh, up to uh, Florida is going to come and land right where I was two weeks ago exactly. in Panama uh, City, Panama Beach. They say it's going to be a direct hit. 110 mile an hour winds right now. Uh, that's going. And your hotel was right though. on the beach. Right on the beach. It, it won't was. be there. Yeah, the driftwood. <laughs> uh, well, they'd probably be there, but I maybe bet you. Not. I bet you all the insides are brand new. Maybe, maybe. And not. It tells me what's going to be. Well, there. It's like pillboxes. See, there it is, right there. there that's live shots of the mm. beach I was sitting mm. on. And it's kind of interesting. Mm. So it, it's on its way. It could veer either way, but uh, if. I'm looking at the storm surge, and they're talking like 8 to 12 feet. That's pretty tough. That's pretty near a very good friend of mine down in Florida. Really? Yeah. I was asking them this morning. They said they've made all their preparations, and they're just going to hang yeah, tight. Because they're sort of on the edge. They're not yeah. right in the direct. Oh, yet. okay. Well, that's sort of on the southern edge. But you can see all the way down to Tampa, they're talking a two to four foot yeah. surge. That's, pretty, that's, that's a lot. That's a pretty good surge. It's been a while that's, since we've had one in that part of the Gulf. And mm-hmm. that, that just kind of reminds you, you're going to live on the live on the on the coast you live by the sword you die by well, the sword and, and i'm not saying you're going to die you and know. if you lose your property we ain't paying for you a Unf- second time. Yeah. unfortunately i'm afraid we are but we shouldn't yeah. <laughs> well i'm i'm well, with I trying to make it be by just saying it a lot like you a know Democrat. what i'm i'm yeah. interested in there's all those high rises mm-hmm. right there in panama city i mean yeah. we're talking 20 30 30 floor yeah. tall you know uh resorts <clears throat> they are building there's about three or four of them being built I can't imagine that what that will do to a building that's in the process of being constructed. Mm, boy, getting salts, getting better, salt water sprayed all over everything. Yeah, and you better mm. get everything that's you know floors wow. up in the air down because whatever the the wind is howling on the well, ground is going to be it. Yeah. yeah, blowing wow. through it at the top. It's going to be whew, yeah, going to be two hundred feet two hundred feet off the ground. The wind might be blowing a lot faster. Yeah, it may be tough. Yeah. So anyway, we're gonna we'll keep up on all of that. They're saying, I guess tomorrow, uh, in the mm-hmm. afternoon or early mm-hmm. evening, it's going to make landfall. So I'm going to mm-hmm. keep my eyes open on that. Mark, we got to watch it. Maybe we'll get a next year. We go back to uh, uh, Panama City Beach. Uh, might get cheaper. <laughs> it may be cheaper to stay there. I don't know. Well, it may not be. It might not be any place to stay. I don't know. You might get a place that doesn't have electricity. But this is going to affect trouble. Destin. Hmm. That it's the whole yeah. redneck Riviera. The redneck Riviera. That's what <laughs> that's I was just gonna, thinking. It's going to get hit. So yeah. I went to it. Where are we all going to go? I, I stayed. I'm at just a, saying. I stayed at a place <laughs> over on the um, on the east side of Florida, on the east coast, and it was it was a place we looked up online. We were just passing through, and it was real cheap. I think it was maybe fifty bucks a night per room, right wow, on the that ocean. That is cheap. It was cheap. But we got there. Did they have red lights in front of all the rooms? Well, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I'm afraid, maybe maybe I don't want you to tell me. But anyway. Yeah, you don't want me okay. to tell you. So anyway, but we got there, and, and stuff didn't quite work like it was supposed to. Yeah, that's uh, what happened. So the, I, I think what had happened, maybe it got hit by a hurricane, 
And so the, you know, they had electronic locks and such, and those weren't working very good. And I think some of the plumbing wasn't always working real good. But it was it was dirt cheap for living for, for staying right on the coast. Yeah. But it, how many days were you there? I think we just spent the night. I think oh, we were just okay. well, that's no through. big deal. No, it wasn't that big a deal. And it was kind of kind of a whole week's vacation. It might have been a big deal, right? Yeah. The thing is, if I knew it ahead of time, I might like you know I can live with fifty bucks a night instead of paying two hundred dollars a night because I'm right on the coast and I don't I don't care about the hotel room anyway. Just some place to sleep. So I could I could live with that but i'd like to know up front i was gonna say when you're on the beach how much time do you spend in your, in your room hotel. anyway yeah. Yeah. well the place i was at you could be in your room and then go out and and sun for a while on a, one of those you know nice chairs mm-hmm. and stuff they had two swimming pools a freshwater pool and a salt nice. water really. nice yeah, so, i like salt know, water so, pools yeah well salt swim, water is good you for your, better it's, you know, and it's good for your skin <laughs> it's good for you yeah. yeah it's not bad okay you were talking when we broke and so i want to go back and let you pick up elizabeth on on what's going on this we're talking we about go. the senate committee that's uh, taking care of uh, the uh, the deal dealing with ethics uh, and they need some ethics in the state senate well it's the democrats seem to be kind of unhappy about this whole idea we, we were talking about senator larry teague i'm going to start yes. again senator larry teague democrat of nashville is an insurance agent he says he has a lobbyist whom he didn't name, who buys insurance from him, who bought after I got out of office in the House and has continued to be my customer, and it appears to me that I will need to tell them that I need to disclose it. It's okay. It may cost me a customer, said Teague, who served in the House from 1997 to 2003, has served in the Senate since 2009. So so he's okay with it? (laughs) Well, he says he's okay with it, but he's grousing a lot here about having to be transparent about his financial affairs mm. when he's serving in the legislature right. as an well, attorney and a lobbyist. I guess I didn't hear anything there that he was that he was um, he was just. It sounded like it sounded almost like he was maybe willing to make the sacrifice, but. I mean, that, that's what they should do, I think. They, sh- they should be willing to, to um, make the sacrifice. What sacrifice? Well, I mean – if, if, I mean, if you want to call it a sacrifice to say yeah. we're going to give up a customer, which which may only mean a hundred bucks a year or so, but it may, maybe he buys a lot of insurance. I and mean, why would the guy be so upset that his name is going to be, you know, going like to be out? people probably don't already know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just us general public that don't know those details. Well, and, and the thing is, the lobbyist might not want that on his to be broadcast. You know, I'm I'm but I'm I'm doing business with. With Teague over here. Well, there's so a lot we, of things I might not want, and but people, if I want to work in the legislature, say, maybe I have to live with it. And what do right. people say? They go, "Oh, you're a lobbyist, and you buy your insurance from this guy, from a the state senator." Right. Mm. And so you may lose some credibility. And so the lobbyist might just need to go find somebody else to buy insurance through. Because <laughs> well, thing, isn't this the whole crux of what they're trying to put a stop to? Is the, little crummy the, deals the, the, and special the, deals the and special arrangements and the, and the appearance evil. of yeah. variety? Right. No, it's it's an appropriate thing to think about. Transparency. And depending on the on the type of business and this how much. This is Dave Ellswick Sesame Street. Repeat after me. <laughs> transparency. The T word the of the day is transparency. transparency. Can we all say right. that together now? Yeah, really. Right. No, no kidding. But, but it is serious because, you know, you know, some of us maybe just have car insurance with an insurance agent. So that may, maybe they only make 100 bucks a year off of us. But some people, you know, I, I'm a landlord. I, I have real estate. So my insurance agent makes no telling how, how much money off of me every year. So it might be sort of a big deal. For me to switch insurance agencies. Do you have a lobbyist license? I don't. 
Okay, guys. <laughs> somebody, somebody. I, I pay for the lobbying that I do. <laughs> you want to call it lobbying? I, I go out direct and lobbying. So, okay, it says here in the article, and this is Missy Irvin talking. It says the draft legislation would mean quote everyone who is elected to office, whether they are in the House or the Senate, or school board or county official or anybody would actually follow the same income disclosures instead of the proposed changes only applying to senators through Senate rules. Hmm. So this is now, proposed legislation. I didn't understand here. that Are what, they saying they're going to make this a state law? Well, that's what I'm saying to you. It looks like they're working on legislation wow. that's going to be a lot larger than just addressing ethics in the Senate. I didn't well, even understand Well, from what you that. just said, that would lead exactly. you to believe that. Well, and it says the legislation that she's working on would require two-thirds vote of the House and da-da-da-da-da. Current state law requires officials to report sources of incomes in two categories, you know, above a thousand up to twelve hundred, sorry, twelve thousand five hundred, and then anything above twelve thousand five hundred. And I knew this. What Missy Irvin would like to see in her draft legislation, she has three categories: the thousand to twelve fifty is one of them. Sorry, thousand to twelve thousand five hundred is one of them. Then the next one would be twelve thousand five hundred to. Fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. The third category would be fifty thousand and above. It would also include profit, commission, and consulting fees, as defined as income. Seems and officials reasonable. would be required to disclose the names of businesses where they have investments or holdings in those categories. It sounds pretty comprehensive to me. Well, sounds we'll like see. it might actually I, I start to address the transparency questions is that this, we have. Is this the same legislation that Mark? Johnson is working on, I wonder. It does not say in the newspaper hmm. anything about Mark Johnson. I wonder if we can get a hold of him. As he, as um, he mentioned this yeah, morning on Facebook getting, post. Now, I'm getting ready to send a, uh, a quick uh, text to Missy. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. this is you know a lot more than just the one piece of it because it also says here the House Speaker, Matthew Shepard, who's a Republican, said he wants to review this legislation and give it further thought. Quote, I can certainly understand further transparency – but we need to think about how it's going to be applied beyond legislators to the boards and commission members. Well, how hard do you have to think about that? It either applies or it shouldn't. And the boards and commission members, I think, need need some added scrutiny. Well, right this now. is There's what I'm liking about what I'm seeing here. I thought they were only addressing Senate, you know, Senate. Yeah. And apparently the legislation that Miss Urban has in place uh, or has in mind uh, is more comprehensive a, than that. A bigger lasso, huh? Well, again, that's that's sort of I, that makes me happy. I like it. I like the sound of it. I mean, okay. Yeah, I so mean, this this is the this is the ethics committee that was created, you know, in June to over you know when the Senate decided to start addressing these issues. Um, so it is a bipartisan committee, Dave. Okay. Now, oh, this is a good one. The Ethics Committee also recommended that the Senate approved a rule change that bars senators from trying to influence a vote on legislation on which they themselves won't discuss or vote on in committee because of conflicts. Hmm. And that's this. I like this. I like what I'm seeing here. Hmm. Another rep- recommended change. They did quite a bit. That might, bar- be, that might actually be kind of hard to. Um if they've got to disclose those cross-interests, then it shouldn't be that hard to follow through. Right. It seems like it might, it might be kind of hard to enforce the things for someone to 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 be officially mute, moot on a, mute on a um, piece I of think, legislation. I think I saw something earlier that 
as part Would of these discussions that declaration if i'm that senator i have to declare mm-hmm. i can't talk about this issue or i can't vote on it because okay. you know i'm working with or paul on it, such and such it. and we can't talk about it so i think it's on the senator okay. they to, have, they to make that self-disclose um but here's another one a member of a senator's law firm it would bar a member of a senator's law firm from representing a claimant before the Arkansas Claims Commission. That's good. I like this. I like this a lot. All right. We got to get a break in. Let me just tell you, I have sent out texts to Mark Johnson and to Missy Irvin and invited them to join us by phone yes. to talk about this. Cool. So we'll see what happens here in just a moment. Uh now, what's happened here is the committee has okay. approved these changes, but they have to be voted on. So it's still just a proposal, basically. All right. Missy Irvin will join us at 315. Cool. Uh, she's chairing a, a committee right now. Can't do it with us right now. Okay. But 315, she'll be with us. And Can she come in studio? No. She's, no, she's, she's, at the, she's down at the Capitol. So probably in the big back building somewhere in the bowels of where everything goes on <laughs> I wonder on. If she even got your and, text and doing things so anyway uh, she has said 315 i will let her know 315 she'll be calling us here uh russ and uh, i've sent mark johnson a text and he knows where to call <laughs> he knows that we'll take a quick break we'll have more coming your way stay with us on facebook and stay with us here on the station. All right, so I can tell you, and this is really, uh, this is good, because I I like to get the information out. And most people who know me know that that's the case. I try hard to get the people on that can give you the what's clear, going clearest, on. most up-to-date. Yeah, I, I do that. And Paul's been part of that uh over at the the Capitol when we're yeah, covering we ch- the, the I session. To, I tr- end up chasing a bunch of them down. He does. He's really good because he's got long legs. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, uh, so, Missy Irvin will join us around 315. Now, she's chairing a committee. It could be it goes over a little bit, but she'll be with us for about 15 minutes, I'm hoping, 315 to about uh, 330. So, we'll take our break around uh, 310, uh, Russ, so you know. And then at 3.35, Mark Johnson will join us, uh, state senator from the Maumelle area, and he'll join us, and we'll talk to him as well. He's um, He ran his campaign on ethics. He's actually my senator. So, oh, good. Yeah. So we, we'll be talking I'm ba- I'm to him. I'm barely in his district, maybe by about a few hundred Well, yards. it goes up there in the Greenbrier because, mm-hmm. I mean, I knew that, uh, you know, Sanders, David Sanders, was up there a lot. Mm-hmm. working that yeah, district sort of wraps goes, around conway it's yeah. almost like a gerrymandered thing if you look at it on a map mm-hmm. it's sort of sort of strange yeah i think it's got a little finger that goes up into my yeah. neighborhood no well, Con- Con- conway is rape conway right? is rape generally think, for the generally, most part i mean i'm kind of the south central part of, Can- of uh, conway and south of me is district 15 mm-hmm. and also north of conway is district <laughs> 15 it kind of makes us kind of a c now if if kim hammer would win uh jeremy hutchinson's old uh area would does he not get a little he's in saline county i know he's had a little pulaski does he have a little bit of faulkner by any chance i don't i don't think so okay so it's just yeah i don't pulaski i don't think so i think it's just rapert and johnson that that have have both have, have both chunks of Faulkner County. I'm remember guessing. this, Paul. You want to ask that question, okay? Well, <laughs> we and, can figure because that I'll, out. Yeah. I'll forget. Should know. Elizabeth, you think about that too, so that when we get yeah. him on, we can ask him that. If it's just 
Johnson and Rayford, Rayford that have the yeah. Faulkner County. Right. Yep. Okay, very yeah, cool. Well, of course, Jason is on that committee too. Would you like to hear from Rayford? I probably can send I, I him a we, quick. I bet we get him. On I can too. send him a quick message as well. See if he wants. Let's to give, give them all an that. opportunity to tell sure, tell us well. what we tell the listeners what they think about the new ethics changes. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we can probably uh, get an earful for, uh, from Rayford about his. Um, um, yeah, he's got uh, other things on his mind. Yeah, he, he's got he's like got social a, media. Maybe. Yeah, he's got a lawsuit harassment. Well, that's so ridiculous. Yeah. The lawsuit that might actually qualify as harassment. I've already talked about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, myself yeah. and Robert Steinbach. Just another yeah. symptom of the resistance. As long as the government is not paying for that, uh, you know, Facebook page or whatever, it's his personal so. page, and he can he can drop or add whomever he. he I would wants. think so. Thank you. I I tend to agree that that he should be able to because use people say, well, look what personal. happened to Trump. Trump's is paid for and by run by, by his, government people mm, by his staff. By staff. staff. Yeah. That's a whole different ball of wax. Right. That's, that yeah. does make it a, di- a different issue. Yeah, it mm-hmm. does. A big difference. Okay, so um, the, the thing is though, that the legislature could actually could deal with the issue and, and clear it up, and and you could make it so that you know you can't file lawsuits against senators or le- legislators um, for doing certain things like that. Because the fact is that you can you can literally harass people and, and really shut them down just by filing um, ridiculous lawsuits against people. Tell me, and you can slander anyone you like in your lawsuit in any form imaginable and you can if you're if you're the defendant there's nothing you can do about it mm-hmm. now the lawsuit itself will get adjudicated and you're either you know guilty of what mm-hmm. you were charged with or not by the lawsuit but in the course of that lawsuit that plaintiff can say anything they mm-hmm. want about who you are what you've done your character and all these other things and there is no they don't they don't get, no they don't get punished for making false allegations there is no law against slander if you're in if, a lawsuit if you're filing a lawsuit yeah I, i'm i'm yeah. sorry that's a problem that I, is a real problem i, 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 that think, is a big I think people problem. should probably be should, should be getting uh, punished for for bringing false allegations well, through a lawsuit. If you if you combine that the idea that you can say anything in a lawsuit mm-hmm. with the deep pockets, and you know I get mad at you one day and I have a deep pocket, I can come into court, mm-hmm. sort of kind of well, like what uh, they did to the justice, say anything I like, right. and now you're on the defensive. And it may, and it may be, and that, you have to pay money, right? It, it may to be defend that, yourself, no matter what I say, and I can say right. anything I want, and you can't come back against me for lying about that's you. That's insane. It's insane. It, it really makes is no insane. sense. And, it, and it's the, the the notion that people can lie in court about people. Well, and of course, what happens again if you get the deep pocket on the other side combined with that, you might as well give up any idea of a fair system. Well, because that is not fair. And there's some of the same problems on the criminal side as well, because the fact is just getting a ticket or a citation of some sort is punishment if you're if you're if you're totally innocent. And um, and there's no from what well, I can tell, there's, there's no serious recourse to deal with these um, um, attack dogs that are basically mis- misusing their authority. Whether it be through the civil side or the criminal well, side. Well, the the, the uh, response to the attack dog in that case, and I think you're probably thinking about the gentleman that was in trouble for the gun. Well, no, he just got arrested. General, but that's that's. And I know can, he was can, not happy about that. But that was adjudicated in court, and the court said 
no you're not guilty you don't right. have to pay this fine and hey you get your gun back that's the that's the payback if you will to that right, but official the thing, but, but the thing is he, he doesn't he doesn't but the official get his didn't come back. in and say hey not no. only that but you know you cheat on your wife and you're a drinker and right, you know right, you right. have sex with dogs and god right, knows right, what all right. else that's what i'm talking about right there's that there's that you know not only do i come in and i sue you because i didn't like what you did as a landlord but you know you're a scumbag and i'm going to say all these other ugly things about you that are untrue to make you look bad yeah nothing happens my hands are up that means we got to take a break let's get to the news and we'll be back in the next hour missy irv and mark johnson and maybe jason rapert i just uh, sent him a quick Text. We'll find out when we return to Dave Ellswick Show. All right, uh, back, second hour. we got a lot of people going to be joining us. We've been talking about this story today in the local paper, the Demgas, about uh, the committee uh, meeting, uh, the state uh, senate uh, committee meeting about ethics rules. And at 3.15, Missy Irvin will join us by phone. 335 Senator Mark uh, Johnson will join us. And my uh, my uh, apologies to Missy for not saying Senator Missy Irvin. And then at uh, 345, Senator Jason Raper. All three of them will uh, chime in with us and give us their thoughts on what's going on. The, the big question for Missy seems to be, is this just going to be ethics rules for the state Senate or – are they looking to pass legislation that this will not only apply to the state senators but to just about everybody that holds some kind of public office school in boards, the state? School okay. boards and county officials as well. Sounds well. Sounds they're like, already covered. I have pretty no problem good. with that. The school boards has a better ethics. They can't discuss anything about anything Wait, on the agenda yeah, no, 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 this, no, this is not just, discussion this is the money side this is all the money side the money side it's very interesting i mean you've got to disclose who you're doing, if business. You're in a law you're doing firm, business with and everything yeah if you're at a law amounts, firm and another partner in the law firm has a lobbying contract believe it or not that sounds RT, real yeah, yeah. Sounds sounds real. Like we're, we're, we're sort of cautiously happy <laughs> you got that right because listen to what jonathan dismang said read that quote from J- dismang he says, if you are willing to be employed by a lobbyist and you sit as a member of the legislature, then it should not offend you to have to disclose that and the amount of money that you made from that lobbyist or the firm that employed the lobbyist. Wow. 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 <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Sounds kind of no-brainer to me. Yeah, I, I, mean, I should have asked Dismang to join us. I well, got his number, too, but I we don't have any room for him right now. We'll have yeah. to do this for next week, man. You know, in the past – you, I, I believe you had to disclose. I've read the law in the past. You had to disclose that you took money and that it was over fifty thousand dollars. Only but, fifty thousand. Yeah, but so you it didn't say 50, if it was nine hundred thousand dollars over the last three years. You know, mm-hmm. so there. So putting a specific amount on it would 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 be good. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they're really really serious about this. Well, and that's part of their proposals is they want to change those categories of reporting for the dollar amounts to be, you know, more categories and a lot more specific. Democrats not happy with this. Will Bond coming out against Teague coming out against. Huh? Interesting. Well, well that's good. We know about the problems. Uh you know, we had the senator that just resigned that had taken over a million dollars over the last 10 years from from a medicaid companies and it was like 600,000 in the last 3 years mm-hmm. 
and uh, from three different companies and they're not even being challenged because taking the six hundred thousand dollars he just made the mistake to wire some of it to his personal checking account mm-hmm. so there wasn't really anything wrong with charging six hundred thousand dollars for three years for advice Mm-mm. but he wired some of it but i have a problem with him making six hundred thousand dollars a year to advise people that are trying to get contracts now, from the senate now in that in that uh, proposed legislation as far as ethics go it's not legislation as far as other people or whatever we're going to get all that kind of worked out but uh, were they not saying in that uh, that if you have a if you're uh, retained you have to report that correct if somebody goes in to get get and gets a, an attorney and that's on this in the state senate or whatever state yeah state senator right now if you're on retainer so if you're on retainer and somebody you have to disclose yeah yeah okay yeah i mean that's the way I'm i think that it. that has to happen and then was there something in there that they're not allowed to vote on legislation it says That's the ethics awesome. committee also approved. Sorry, the ethics committee also recommended that the Senate approve the rule change that would bar senators from trying to influence a vote on legislation on which they themselves wouldn't discuss or vote on in committee or on the senate floor because of conflicts of interest. So that's voluntary. So, that's awesome. So but. you know you won't discuss it or vote on it on the senate floor but you also are barred from trying to influence the others around you right. but that's from o- voting that sounds on like that issue. only if you voluntarily now, recuse yourself well That'll but be here's the, day, the key but i like the sound of it <laughs> here's another key piece we hadn't talked about yet okay. another recommended rule change would bar a member sorry wrong quote the committee also opted to recommend a rule change that allows staff members of the Senate to file ethics complaints against senators. Now, currently, the overhauled rules only allow senators to file ethics complaints against fellow senators. But now they want to recommend that Senate staff members can file ethics complaints. Now, Will Bond... How about anybody file ethics mm. complaints? Well, Will Bond says he favors allowing representatives and legislative staff members to file complaints. Still talking about against senators. He wants to keep anonymous complaints confidential. If senators don't allow others to file complaints, then the rules overhaul, quote, is just a bit of window dressing. That's what Mm. Will Bond says. Now... This is where Jason Rayford says complaints? he's worried about the proliferation of frivolous complaints mm-hmm. from outside the Senate to the senators. So I can see why you know there'd be heartburn on both sides about how to work out the details on that. Yeah, just as long as they work out the details. But yeah, let's work out I mean, the details. And as far as I'm concerned, going. anonymous ethics complaints, no. Okay, got to get a quick break in because Missy Irvin is up in just about three minutes. Did you know there's 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits? 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook. Well, that's true. Make matters worse. Government has told Social Security Administration they are forbidden to offer you any personalized advice. So here's what I'm going to suggest to you. Get yourself a guide. Ring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits that you can with the up-to-date 2018 Guide to Social Security. Get it through David Lucas. All you need to do be for one of the first 10 callers right now, 501 653 6690-501-653-6690-or-visit-davidlucasfinancial.com. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Just to, to let you know, we were supposed to have Hortons on tomorrow at 5. That's not going to happen. 
the person that was supposed to come in with them fell and broke their leg, I think is what oh, I read. No. So uh, no. they're not going to be able to make it. So uh, if uh, you're a lady who had to have your breasts removed or whatever because of uh, breast cancer, we'll, we're going to make that uh, part of uh, another show. So just uh, just know that they will not be here. All right, we're waiting for uh, Missy Irvin to give us a call. Again, she was, uh, of course, uh, chairing a committee meeting. So Some, Sometimes they don't get out, out exactly at the time they're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, uh, so I'm hoping that she's walking out now. I'm, let me look and see if I got anything new from her. Uh, they're saying that Dinah Powell is being eyed to take Nikki Haley's position at the U.N., and we'll talk about that with Alice Stewart after 4 o'clock. She's going to join us to talk about the resignation of, of Nikki Haley. And uh, I was listening to Mike Gallagher today, and he was wondering, now, there's something weird about this, that she's getting out and blah, 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 blah. When she took the position, she told the president, I'll do it for two years. Yep. December is two years. She's got two teenage kids. She wants to spend some of their teenage years seeing them do the things that teenagers do when they're in high school and stuff. So she's going to step down for a while. She says that, you know, another five or six years, she might be willing to come back and do work uh, in the government again. And she did say that she'll be out in 2020 campaigning for the president. Oh, yeah, baby. So that's bottom line. So she's putting putting her family in front of it. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, I I congratulated the lieutenant governor when he stepped out of being a congressman for that reason. You know, that was wonderful. You know, that makes me think highly of people when they when they're willing to step out and and do those type of things we we do have a problem we do have a problem in this country with the families being in shambles and part of that i think is because people just don't spend enough time with their kids yeah i just uh i'm just so people are watching on facebook live and they see me i'm on my phone a lot and i'm texting people is what i'm doing and i'm texting missy right now and here's what the text says just so you know Ready to go. Transparency. Ready to go, question mark. And because she's, she's uh, four minutes late right now. So <laughs> I I'm, I want to get her in uh, because Mark Johnson is set up to go at 335, and then Jason Rapert is ready to go at around 345. And then uh, to be Alice uh, Stewart will join us at 406, and then at 435, uh, Congressman uh, French Hill will be in well, studio with we've us. Got, so we've got a lineup for the rest of the show, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we're, we're full. Bible we're full guys at five, just so you know. Well, I, I've re- started off reading this article, Dave, and it answered my <laughs> question right off on the very first sentence. No, it that? says senators who are attorneys and or consultants. <laughs> because you know that's always been my gripe is yep. people have consulting firms. <laughs> And be able to take money for consulting, and it doesn't fall under the same rules as right. well, as but, which reporting. Is, which money. is kind of weird because you end up being a consultant slash lobbyist while you're a senator, right? Yeah, you, may, <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, you may be a machinist, but you're consulting on Medicaid expansion, uh, like yeah. I said. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. so well, uh, yeah, we know what's going on. You may not have heard this earlier because I know you were in the car. One of the things they're talking about is if you're in a law firm. And your partner over here, you, not you, your partner over here has some kind of an arrangement that puts money back into the law firm. And so you're going to get a share of that, right? You've even got to report that. 
Well, yeah, that's so they're they're really they're I think, tightening trying up. to tighten up. I'm really pretty happy with what I'm looking at. Well, I wonder how they're going to enforce because this well, is all self-reported stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. When you talked about refor- uh, enforcing, now the state ethics commission really doesn't have any teeth well, or much of a history of. Of, uh, of enforcement. Enforcement. Mm-hmm. And this is Maybe why I want to talk to Mark Johnson, because Mark Johnson ran on this issue, and mm-hmm. I think he was very adamant that there had to be teeth. So we'll see mm-hmm. what he has to say. It's, That's good. It's going to be an interesting hour. We're going to get a whole lot of uh, uh, information, I think. And, well, there, were, uh, there was some mention about be, some of the staff being able to, to report and um yep. it sounds staff like but why wouldn't you why would you limit it to staff members and other representatives why not make it available to all of the public because the fact is that other people get opportunities to to find out um dirt on um legislative uh, officials that, that's but when well, we, need you to get, know we need to get rid of the the anonymous tip line though i think that's yeah you, you end up i don't with like a bunch anonymous of, stuff uh, no, if you're going to say something, be willing to stand up behind. That's right. It. That's if it's exactly important enough right. for you to bring it up, then it's important enough for you to stand up and claim it. Yeah. Otherwise, what what good is it? You you just end up sending um, government officials on wild goose chases. I think. But well, that's what that's when Senator Rapert's concerns would become mine. In that there would be a flood. I'm afraid of you know inappropriate improper hey i decide i can do it so i'm just going to do it mm-hmm. and you know how the left is they would flood the entire well, system with you know hundreds of might. complaints well, I, because that yeah, would clog everything name, up right, like I, peanut butter my name is it. dave swetnick well and, that's the and whole point i've got i've got information about a certain senator that was uh, you know dosing uh, teenage girls and they were pulling trains Mm-hmm. Well, and it's not even so much that. It's the idea of overwhelming remember. the system. Yeah, but I don't remember where it happened or anything. <laughs> if you if you were to flood the system with thousands of complaints, guess what right. would happen? The whole thing would collapse, right? right? But, but and yeah. that's what they if, would do. And if you, that's and if you, what if you they get would rid do. of the anonymous tip line, then you actually have some accountability. Now that's different. Because the thing is, though, that I think maybe even this case with, with Ford, she made some criminal allegations, essentially. And, and so, you know, from our, from our understanding, the statute of limitations has not run out. No, that she, that's because she made the statement, uh, was it uh, Saturday, after he was confirmed. She's not going to follow that up. That she's on. not going to follow up with any kind of other, uh, and, you know, legal recourse. And, and, and that's I, all I needed to know, to know that it was all bogus from the well, beginning. And, and I think maybe the, the thing that needs to happen is that the local officials maybe need to actually subpoena her or, or get her to – and force her to testify <laughs> and, and, and follow through on this because she made criminal allegations. And seeing as how she com- they complained because the FBI did not ask her, that would really get them going. Right. The thing is, though, that people, people need to be held accountable when they're making um, criminal allegations against people because you've got a case that's it's, – it's not – it's apparently not um, subject to um, statute of limitations, and so it's it, he could literally have been prosecuted for her for for the um, things he was being well, accused. Let of. me just say this: that the chances of them going after her legally, criminally, about, yeah, criminally yeah. like this, are are slow. higher than happen. me winning the 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 uh, <laughs> I don't know one of the lotteries <laughs> over the next two days. Yeah. I'm just, well, it ain't going to happen. Gonna is it happen. maybe partially due to, due to the fact of where it is and the prosecutors and the is, is it in D.C. actually? No, where it, where it happened where it was it happened? in Maryland. Yeah, Maryland. But the reason yeah. it won't happen is because the Republicans are never 
ever going to no. willingly take on an issue like that. No. Sorry. You're not going to do it. They know better than that. That's one that you lose. That's a loser from the, the very in beginning. In the public, uh, public you know, opinion court of public sphere. Opinion. Well, and you're done just well, by doing it. And part of the problem, well, I think, I'd like to see someone with some with some courage to take it on because that's that is one way to stop these false out. How much money you got in your bank account? Probably not enough. Okay. You <laughs> can take it off. Let me put it this <laughs> way. The Democrats were so unhappy with Susan Collins, they started a GoFundMe account to, to threaten her $3 million. With, oh, no, it's up to four now. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. About a million dollars a day. Mm-hmm. And they don't even know. She's not even up for election until wow. 220. 2020, wow. and they don't even know who the candidate may be. Yeah. This is a pressure who tactic was it that I against Ms. Collins. I just heard that, who was it that said that they might take it up? It was somebody that's got some name re- recognition. Okay, looks like Missy's calling. We're only going to have her for about uh, four and a half minutes, so that's okay. She was she was stuck in a meeting. I can I, I know what the problem is. Is that Missy? Okay, let's Missy, Senator Missy Irvin, how are you? I am doing well. Sorry, I was in committee. That's okay. That's all right. Let Let's start off uh, with the article today, real quickly, with you because we're we're, we're time constrained here, Senator. Yeah. And first of all, you made a, a statement in that article that sounded like this is going to turn into legislation that will affect uh, public officials in county governments, school boards, and all kinds of stuff. Did we read that right? So, yeah, partially, yes. Okay, all right. So the, the Statement of Financial Interest is a document that is filed by anybody who's an elected official, as well as appointed boards, commissions, anyone. So we have, we have um, added some details to what is constituted as income to that, as well as putting extra thresholds there so right now it is a thousand dollars and then twelve thousand five hundred then we're putting an additional box between twelve thousand five hundred and fifty thousand and then fifty thousand and above so we're adding more thresholds um there as far as income levels that needs to be reported so that would be reported by everybody so your income is reported through the Statement of Financial Interest. That's a one-time yearly filing that happens in January 31st for anybody who's an elected official. So that is legislation that I would be proposing. That needs to be, we think, or I believe, that needs to be addressed completely statewide. The rule in ethics, our disclosure, deals with a conflict of relationship, and we added language in there specific to attorneys and consultants. Okay. Well, we're, we're, we've we been looking at this, and so we're kind of excited to see that it's going to yeah, apply it broadly. It's looking yes. good. I mean, Thank you guys. You. I appreciate that. There was a, well, a there were a whole, a whole lot of people thought that you guys would go in and it would be just hand slap stuff. This looks serious. It is very serious because um, it really strikes at the heart of the matter of what was happening. So, no, we're setting a very high standard that says if you come into the Senate, this is how you are supposed to behave professionally with one another and with, you know, the, the business of the state of Arkansas. So there are instances where if you're an attorney or a consultant, you have the ability to have a payment of a retainer um, or, you know, other type of contract with a client. If, if that um, person or entity hires a lobbyist, that has to be disclosed. Um, and I think that's really critical 
Um, and unfortunately, that's been a history here in the Senate and in the legislature and the House as well, where that has happened. Um, it hasn't been widely reported, but historically, that has been an issue. Um, that gives a member who is perhaps an attorney or a consultant an advantage over somebody who is just a normal citizen. Um, and Absolutely. that can provide or buy or influence, you know, somebody's work here in the legislature and their votes. So we want to make sure that there's full transparency and accountability and disclosure for those types of situations. Senator, I'm out of time uh, with you. Can I call you back uh, after I get off here yes. or text you? And we'll set you up for next week to come in and sit down in the studio. Is that all right? Yep, I sure will. I'll come in. I'm excited about that. <laughs> Our efforts. It was a great meeting yesterday. All right. Thank you very much. We'll let you go. I got to get to the news. I know you couldn't hear it on Facebook. Go check it out later. <laughs> anyway, there you go. All right. Waiting for uh, the phone. Well, here comes Mark Johnson right now. The yeah. phone is ringing. So Senator Mark Johnson will be uh, talking to us in just a moment. Oh. Interesting. This is a this is a, a Twitter. Yep. A tweet that went out from who? Maureen. Who? This is on the twenty fourth of September from Maureen Skinner, uh-huh. and it just says, "Replying to Rapert Senate, bless your heart. You're endorsed by the KKK. Let's stay hmm. on topic." Okay, so let's hit her name and tell me what you know about what it says. Well, Maureen about Skinner it. is she, the, opponent the opponent for, for Jason, Jason Rapert, oh, the really? Democrat opponent to. Jason Raper. Oh, okay. She has directly said on Twitter that you're endorsed by the KKK. How about that? That's a statement of fact. Is it it, it true? You can't control it. But is it even true? If we're going to go down this rabbit hole, I got an answer from Raper. This type of accusation, completely false and despicable, has no place in the political arena. It is this type of reckless accusation that incites violence and has consequences to the senator and his family. The state senator will be on with us at 345. We'll ask him about that. And I guess this, he's kind of sure getting some heat a, for deciding he won't show up for a uh, you know debate with her, his very nice candidate. Uh, yeah, why would you show up for that? All right, so Mark Johnson is on the line waiting for us. Senator, I kind of like saying this. Senator Johnson, how are you today? I'm great, Dave. I'm not quite there yet, but I appreciate you saying that. And I, I will say this about my colleagues, my soon-to-be colleagues. They have been very gracious in including me uh, into the Republican caucus and in other uh, activities and uh, I just want to thank them and and allow me to start the planning process a little early and part of it is working on this ethics legislation and uh, I know that's what you want to talk about. Yeah I do I want to talk about it because you kind of ran on this uh, during during the, uh, the race and so what do you think about what you read about in the paper thus far? Well let me say that uh, the, the action earlier in the summer, I was very supportive of, and I appreciate uh, uh, the fact that the Senate created an ethics committee, and I'm glad that uh, Senator Irvin is chairing that committee. And I actually feel that their work they're on now is actually a little ahead of the curve from what I expected. Now, remember that at this stage, all that committee can do is recommend rule changes and Correct. potential future legislation and these only apply to the senate so uh, what i've been working on is legislation that would apply to all elected officials and even some appointed officials uh and and let me let me first brag on the things that i've seen in the paper um 
I like the idea of uh, going, I say going after, but requiring certain things of, of attorneys and, and consultants and, and people in that uh, category where they're not quite employees, but they're, they maybe benefit from it. And, and let me tell you a quick story, Dave. I put this on Facebook this morning. Uh, over the weekend, I read the obituary of one of my friends who passed away. Uh, his name was Bill Brady. He was a lobbyist for years. He was a contract lobbyist, represented uh, some smaller entities. I remember at one point he was the lobbyist for all the credit unions in Arkansas, but never, you know, any of the, the giant entities. But a, a good person, an honest, straight-up guy. And uh, he told me once a story about he had a bill he was trying to get out of a committee, and he couldn't get the thing even called up for a vote, and it just languishing in the committee. And it was getting toward the end of the session, and someone pulled him aside and mentioned that uh, if he would give a $5,000 retainer to a law firm, a small law firm, uh, and mentioned the lawyer in the law firm, not the one who was the legislator, but mm-hmm. his partner, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, then they would be able, uh, that bill maybe then could come out of committee, and, and Bill refused to do it. And uh, uh, that... Uh, the partner of that lawyer who was in the legislature at the time uh, later went to prison, but uh, no reason to get into names. Some of the people that are listening to this know exactly who and what I'm talking about. But but that's an example of how you can do an end run on some of these, these disclosure things. Now, uh, my friend Senator Bond, who I respect and think is a great addition to the Ethics Committee, he raised some some. Uh, concerns and and a lot of this comes down to the fact Dave that on one hand we want a citizen legislature we want people that have real jobs and work in the real world but also serve in the legislature right and on the other hand we don't want them to have any conflicts of interest well we're going to have to draw some lines in a few places that are not ex- and I don't think this this is the whole problem of putting this this together it's where do you draw that line and I'm I'm saying that as, I, as I've worked on this and, and again, appreciating my soon-to-be colleagues for uh, giving me access to the Bureau of Legislative Research staff to help me work on this, uh, I, that's where some of the problems come. Okay, uh, Senator Teague, for example, and he said this, he's a small-town insurance agent. And should that mean he shouldn't be able to participate and offer uh, his advice on issues related to insurance? and. And my reaction is, no, it, it shouldn't keep him from doing that. However, if you're the pick uh, thing, you're the president of State Farm or Allstate, then maybe you can't serve in the Senate. I mean, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, where that do we draw be, that line? That may be. And, and, and that's and that's where we are. And I, I don't know. You know, we've got to work those things out. And and uh, we're grateful to have a great staff that researches things that are done in other states, and hopefully. Uh, we can can draw those lines now a lot of what's been done so far is sort of a, a disclosure and maybe even a couple of thou shalt nots of elected officials and really you're just about senators right now uh the legislation i'm working on is actually going to be a little bit it'll have some of that but it will be leaning toward the uh uh if you do or if you do wrong what the punishment is and and one of the things that i've been wanting to do and I'm thrilled to death to see it looks like it's possible to do it because some states have done it to varying degrees. And that is, if you are a 
legislator and you're convicted of a crime that has to do with stealing public money, that you not only can go to prison or have to make restitution, but you will lose any pension benefits that you might have accrued. So uh, the fact that we have, you know, convicted people that were convicted of crimes because of what they did in the legislature that are actually drawing a state pension right now, uh, I think that's insane, and we've got to stop it. So they might draw a pension while they're in prison? Hmm. Well, they we would. Case where that was actually the case. Yeah, wow. that's happened. Yeah, wow. I, I understand. But this is interesting, Mark, because you're you're doing things that we've talked about on this show. If it's just the, the you know the ethics commission, they have no teeth. I mean, I guess they can gum you to death or whatever. <laughs> but the bottom line, well, we got to give them some teeth. We do, and, and whether or not that's done, uh, the the ethics commission's uh, penalties that they can can do are civil penalties, and uh, they're frankly they're understaffed for some of the things we're talking about. Uh, they're they are they do a good job on the things that they have the capacity to do. Generally, they don't initiate uh, investigations. Uh, someone files a complaint and they react to it, and. Uh, Maybe we need to give them a little more uh, investigative authority. Maybe that should go under some other entity. Uh, there's been discussion of, uh, you know, the attorney general has come forth with some, some ideas on that. And I think we're all going to have to sit down in January and, and look at those varying options and say, do we, do we beef up and give more authority to the ethics commission? Do we uh, put some kind of an inspector general or some kind of uh, uh uh, entity within the AG's office, uh, or is there some other option? Now, and Mark, uh, I, I, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry, this is RD. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'd just like to make yeah. a comment. It needs to be a law to where uh, voting on something that that you're directly getting financial benefit from to, is, is against the law. So it has to be a, a law. You know, all of us and out here in the real world, if, if we break a law, then there is a consequence, and we go before a judge. Now, this ethics commission, you know, I've watched it for years, as you have. I know you've been at this a whole lot longer than I have. I don't think you'll ever get the ethics commission, which is appointed by the legislature mainly, to ever have any teeth. But please make laws to where if you benefit from something as a consultant or attorney above and beyond you know what a standard fee would be, that it, it's, it's against the law. Well, R.D., I appreciate you saying that. That's the direction I'm going because neither the House nor Senate can pass rules that apply to the other just in the rule process. I'm looking at law, statute that would apply to legislators, county, city officials, any elected official, plus even some appointed officials. And and, and give you an example of the things I'm looking at. Uh, you know, a lot of what has been discussed, and it's good, it's a good thing is sunshine is you have to disclose this you have to tell the world that you know i'm involved in this industry and actually file a a paper or something with the secretary of the senate before a vote you know what i'm looking at it would be a prohibition on participating uh, a prohibition you wouldn't have the option to just say hey i may have a conflict here Uh, and that might be done at a, a lesser level but but my plan is to have uh, something that says thou shalt not participate in debate and uh, vote on issues where you have a direct conflict of interest. And, and to take it a step further, I'm very pleased with what was in the paper 
uh, this morning when they, they talked about, uh, you know, this disclosure and, and how to do this. It was a, a step in the right direction. That, that means you can't just say, well, I'm not going to participate or, or vote. And then you spend the rest of the time running around lobbying your colleagues to vote for it, mm-hmm. even though you're not going to vote. Now, that's mm-hmm. that's a little disingenuous. And I'm really glad that the committee identified that as a potential problem and, and has acted on it. I really want to congratulate uh, all the senators on the Ethics Committee. I know you, you've had Senator Irvin and the chairman. I know Senator Rayford's going to be on, and, and uh, they're both great people and will do the right thing on this. All right. So, Mark, we're going to let you go, Senator Mark Johnson, because sitting on the phone waiting for me is Senator Rayford, Senator Jason Rayford. And, Senator, thanks for giving us the time. You're welcome, Dave. Always good to talk with you. I appreciate what you do. You've been a great voice for conservatism in this state for many, many years. And a lot of us have actually benefited from the work that you've done plowing the ground. So we may be in office, but you're right there on the front line. So thank you. All right. Well, first of all, I, I want to ask you something. There was a tweet that went out from your challenger about the KKK and you. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. What the? Yeah. I mean, this kind of stuff has got to get under your skin. It gets under my skin. <laughs> I can only imagine what it does to the person that the attack is directed at. Well, I, you're exactly right, Dave. It's totally inappropriate. It's reckless behavior on the part of my opponent. I will tell you, if you had been watching my opponent over the last few months, this is actually par for the course. Uh, unfortunately, uh, she took it to a new level and. I've waited for several days thinking, okay, she'll talk with her campaign advisors and some people and say, you know what, you're going to have to walk back a statement in which you make a a statement that sounds as if it's fact that I had been endorsed by the KKK, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, she she worded Uh, it as if it was fact. She worded it as if it was fact. You know, the, the fact is... Uh, I probably uh, have more long-term relationships with African-Americans and actual West Africans than any other Caucasian senator in the Arkansas legislature. And so to me, it's particularly offensive because I know how important those relationships are to me. And I think words are powerful. And when somebody puts something out there, Dave, and as you know, this year has been my year of – education in the extreme left no kidding, no kidding <laughs> brother and, and and you know i'm sitting here from my perspective where a man from washington state that had been trying to get to me for two years actually came to my community in january and in the course of three days found himself filing a false police report against me and he admitted in court that this was political motivation on his part He was convicted, he was arrested, he was convicted and sentenced to jail for filing this report against me. And so what's happening is that what you saw in Washington, D.C. with Kavanaugh, they are absolutely using tactically in different places around this country. And Mm -hmm. if you look behind the scenes at my opponent, you're going to find, number one, her political advisor is the former LGBTQ organizer for Bernie Sanders. She brags about that on her own Twitter feed. It's on her own profile page. And she's been endorsed by Bernie Sanders' PAC, Our Revolution. They are into the politics of destruction, 
and they are into the extreme. Just like they accused Kavanaugh, they are accusing conservative uh, politicians and elected officials around the country of some of the most crazy things you've ever heard. It's right out of Saul Alinsky's book. Yeah, right? of course. Accuse them of something that's absolutely outlandish to take up our time having to defend ourselves against something that has never happened. And so what happened is that she made this statement, and I immediately said, this is wrong. Uh, it's actually a lie. You should take it down. And here's why. David, when I've when you're sitting in my seat, whereas you all know we've had some threats, things got very intense, mm-hmm. and you know that the American atheists are out for me, the yep. Satanists from Boston, Massachusetts, and the abortion folks, that's my opponent's supporters. And when I'm sitting here having actually a person that got arrested for trying to have falsely accuse me, and I know that a statement like that in the hands of someone that doesn't know me, and they might be triggered and say, I'm going to go take Jason Rapert out. That's a scary scenario for my family and even my community. Because this is the kind of thing that the, the rhetoric that causes a guy to go to a ball field in Virginia and shoot at congressmen. Yep. This is the kind of rhetoric that causes people to take violent action. So I had to make a decision, David. It's what's sad is I actually personally am the one that asked David Keith of UCA and Kelly Sublett of the Log Cabin to put this particular forum together because it was not succeeding. Other people were trying. I asked them to put it together, and then almost immediately then, I get knowledge of this tweet, and I I would have to go back and look at the days involved. And I told him, I said, I really want to do this, but if my candidate keeps up with this rhetoric, I've got to make a decision. Do I even want to dignify a stage with this person? Mm -mm. And so what's happened, unfortunately, is that she has refused to take it down. She's left it up for 16 days. And I've decided, you know what? Somebody has to be the one to say no to this. And I am not going to feed the fire of this crazy rhetoric that has been occurring. My community and our state and our nation needs leadership. We need people that are willing to talk about issues and stop the politics of destruction, which has absolutely hit all of us, okay? And the right has done it, too. I'm not saying we're, we're innocent of that. That has happened in the, in the GOP as well. But I've taken stands against that kind of rhetoric, and I've taken it in my own party. And I absolutely am not going to reward people who use that kind of tactics, especially in my community. So as of right now, uh, my all, all of my advisors said you do not need to reward that. Mm. She needs to pull it down and retract <laughs> it and apologize to have the benefit of sitting with you on a stage and talking about issues because she has done even more than that, David. <laughs> it's hey, she said in writing that she admires Maxine Waters and Elizabeth Warren, and she's living up to it. Wow. <laughs> Woo. All right. So yeah. let me let me ask you one question because we're running out of time, and that has to do uh, with the work on the ethics commission that you're doing with senator missy irvin and senator dismang and all the rest gotta say from what i've read in the paper today i'm very very uh positive about what i've seen you all are taking this really really seriously we we are and and it is a very serious matter you know we tried to pass some ethics legislation a session or two ago that never got the traction we wanted 
the best I could do was to get an annual acknowledgement that you've actually read the rules and you understand them so that you couldn't play stupid, you know, if you broke the rule. And we got that. But this actually, and I've been listening to some, and I want to thank Missy Irvin, who's chairing the committee. It's a serious issue that takes a lot of focus, and I think we are headed in the right direction. It is interesting, you know, sometimes the paper doesn't report everything. Um, The paper done a good job of saying the summation, but I do want to say that I was happy to be the one that made the motion in the committee to add further disclosure at $100,000 and $250,000. You know, it's easy to check that box at 50 for a lot of people, right? They check that 50, but there's a big difference between a guy making $50,000 on a contract and making $300,000 on right. a contract. And so we had some deep discussion. Of course, you know, the attorneys on the committee were talking about the problems with clients and when you're getting down to the penny. And so we had passed the rule, and then I waited a few minutes, and I asked Madam Chair, uh, Missy Irvin, if I could be recognized. And I said, I'm sitting here thinking on this, and I'm not comfortable with this lower amount. And I said, I want to move that we add 100000 so it's 50 to 100, then 100 and 250, 250 greater. And, and the committee immediately adopted that. And I, I'm, I'm happy for that because that's going to give a lot further clarity to just how much money you are making in that arena. Senator Raper. So, yeah. Excuse me. It's Elizabeth. How are you? I'm great. What are we looking at for the chances of these proposals being actually passed in the Senate? Well, this committee is taking action on the Senate rule. And so this committee then will report back to the full Senate. And we actually can convene and adopt our rule even before January in the mm-hmm. session. Oh. Because this is a matter of internal business to the Senate. And so when with the formation of the committee and everything occurred in the interim here, uh, we were not in session when this was all Put together, but it is a, it is because it is the business of the Senate and how we run our chamber and how we govern ourselves. And I want to hit this because I know you're going to come up on some time. Yeah, and that and that is that uh, one of the things, and you even saw a quote from me there. Um, some of the senators on the committee, just a couple of them, talked about this anonymous tip line that you've talked about a little bit. That is inviting the same Kavanaugh fiasco we've all just seen and we absolutely hate. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and and so the other thing is that even uh, we did pass allowing staff, but here's the problem. The rule doesn't say we actually can take any any action against a staff member that frivolously accuses someone. See, that's the reason that the senators are the ones that have the teeth against them, which you've mentioned several times. Mm -hmm. If you falsely accuse a senator, you yourself as a senator can be penalized with the same punishment that would have been put on them had your frivolous accusation been successful. Very good. Okay, I (laughs) I got to jump in, Senator. I'm going to text you after this. We're done at top of the hour. Try to set you up to come on in sometime next week. You be up for that? Yes, sir. That'd be fine. All right, I'll call. I'll call you again. We'll we'll talk, Senator Jason Raper. Thank you for your time. A break. News is next. Back for the four o'clock hour. Doesn't seem possible. Last hour, the power panel today. Lots of information today coming out, and uh, we can tell you that we're set up 
for Senator Missy Irvin next Tuesday, 4 o'clock. She'll come in studio and sit down with us and talk about the Ethics uh, Commission uh, from the State Senate and the information they're coming up with uh, and the legislation they're talking about that they got to bring in front of the whole State Senate and they got to vote on it. Uh, also, at 3 o'clock, the hour before, uh, State Senator Jason Rapert will come in. He's on that uh, committee as well. And he'll be here to talk about that, probably talk about some other things since he's running for re-election and so many bizarre things have popped up during this this race. <laughs> Just like we said, he's being attacked by the left. I don't doubt that in any way, in shape, or form. In the exact same way they attack Judge Kavanaugh. Yeah. Total, outright, outrageous. Lies. Lies. Yeah, lies. And I think we've got a problem with a lack of ability to hold people accountable when they're making just crazy um, false allegations. And so I think one of, one, of the pro- one of the problems we have right now, if I understand it, is that the courts basically don't allow public officials to um, get much traction. No, it, no you can get traction. I mean, you can Depending get traction, but you better – it better be something Serious. that – Yeah. 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 It better it? not be frivolous. And, and well, that's, think- my, that's my problem, and I think Elizabeth might agree with me on this, that if you start casting – a shield up in front of public officials, they will misuse it. I'm just telling you. They will misuse it. They'll push it. and They'll be after you, Paul, for being on this show and saying things. I I think you may be right. And so I think one of the problems is that we we need uh, a sensible means of holding people accountable and not just uh, the the ability for for either public officials or or individuals to abuse the legal system without punishment. We'll bring this up again, all right? Because we got Alice Stewart no. waiting for us, and I don't want to make Alice wait on me. She's giving up her valuable time. Hello, Alice. How you doing? Hi, Dave. Hi, everyone. I'm, I'm happy to wait. You guys are talking uh, important politics there. Yeah, it's kind of interesting <laughs> that uh, the uh, the Republicans uh, and and some Democrats are actually you love this, Alice, because you were in the news business. They're actually trying to do some things. To keep uh, public pol- uh, uh, political ones uh, uh, from being too greedy and breaking the law and trying to walk away with hundreds and millions, hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. Well, that's what they should be doing. I mean, that's uh, there needs to be a check and balance on that and keep that from happening. But I hear you all talking about what the left is doing to to, to Jason Rayford. You're talking about the outright lies they're using against them and. You know, I would imagine be just a few more minutes where you're going to call them an angry mob and get attacked even more by the left. <laughs> yeah, I would be. Uh, unfortunately, that's where we are. Isn't that right? Yeah, it, it is exactly where we're at. And I can talk with you about uh, Judge Kavanaugh here in a second. I want to bring up the main topic for you, and that is Nikki Haley tendered her resignation for December uh, as ambassador to the U.N., and you know, I was listening to some other shows, and it was, why would she do that? Blah, 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 blah. And the bottom line, she when she took the job, she told the president two years. I mean, she's just, she term limited herself, and she's keeping her promise. I think that's important to, to keep that in mind. I mean, she, as she mentioned when she was making the announcement today, went from being a, a governor of a very important state through uh natural disasters through a school shooting through a church shooting through uh, all kinds of 
uh, very high-profile, high-stress situations right into her current position there in the U.N., and if I were her, I don't blame her for wanting to, to stick to her word of, of working for two years. She, she's young. She has uh, got a tremendous reputation. She has now got uh, not just her statewide executive experience on her portfolio, but now her reputation and experience on the, the foreign stage and foreign policy. She has a wealth of opportunities ahead of her. And uh, I say more power to her for, for getting out on her terms when she felt it was important to do. I, I commend her knowing that she wanted to do this earlier, potentially last week, waiting until the the important, important role of getting uh, Justice Kavanaugh sworn in on the bench, letting him have his uh, well-deserved time in the spotlight, getting him the well-attention uh, he deserved, and then letting her make her announcement. So uh, good for her. And, and if I were her, she in my view, she deserves a nice ball weekend. Yeah, and she's got two teenage kids. She wants to have some time with her kids. I mean, they're in high school right now. Yeah, and I, and I've had the you know privilege of meeting her on numerous occasions with with different candidates I've worked with, and she has always been accessible not just to the people of South Carolina when she was governor, but anyone that came into the state. She she rolled out the red carpet, and she's been very very accountable as a public servant and i don't blame her for wanting to spend some time with her her children and her husband and 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 working on what her next step is and she was very smart i believe today to make it quite clear before the press had the opportunity to ask her are you running for president in 2020 she said no she said she would support president trump and and help in his campaign for re-election and if he changes i i would be fully supportive of her jumping in there but but right now i I don't uh, i think she is wise to keep her word of two years and whether she stays you know goes out into the private sector or seeks another opportunity uh in the you know in public service the world is at you know right at her fingertips and and i wish her certainly the best of luck and and she has certainly earned it yeah she'll be back and you know starting uh, next year late as the president starts really revving up, I mean, he's going to Iowa today. You don't think that has to do something with the election in 2020, do you, Alice? Oh, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Having been to Iowa a few times myself, it's kind of a uh, rite of passage for those that are wanting to run for president. <clears throat> and him making the big uh, ethanol announcement was great news and good timing for for him, it's it's great for the Iowa farmers and farmers across the country, and it's it's a good message for Republicans that are running for office to say, look, I support Donald Trump, and look at the policies that he's putting into place that help the farmers across this country and certainly help the economy overall, and it's a good timing for a big announcement on ethanol. Yeah, I, I agree. By the way, going back to Raper real quickly for you, uh, it was uh, divulged during our conversation with us that the the lady was it the campaign manager for the lady that's running against him that used that worked for uh, for Sanders did the LGBTQ that's what he said. yeah that's what he said was his LGBTQ XYZ person <laughs> and uh, evidently uh, working with all those leftist Bernie groups. Sanders yeah Bernie Sanders folks well schooled in those techniques yeah absolutely. I thought that was interesting. So it just goes to show that, you know, Washington 
politics has come seriously from the Democrats into middle America. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and they would certainly much rather, instead of focusing on, you know, the issues that people are concerned with, they, they don't have a, a strong record to run on like Republicans do. Certainly Donald Trump can, uh, the number one issue for me, Dave, has, has been the Supreme Court, uh, Getting one conservative Scalia-like justice on the court was a victory. Getting the second one was icing on the cake, and that is something this president and Republicans can can hang their hat on and campaign on, and not to mention the unemployment rate at an all-time low. The economy is going strong. So we have strong, positive issues to run on, where the Democrats, all they can do is obstruct and resist and bang on doors and spread a misinformation about good, solid, conservative re- Republican candidates, and that's going to be their mission moving forward, and I don't see it being very successful. Well, Alice, you've worked on several political campaigns, Governor Huckabee's, you've worked on Santorum's, you've worked on, on with Cruz, you've worked with a lot of different candidates. Uh, it came out yesterday that independents, 58% of them, we're very dissatisfied with the way the confirmation process went and how the Democrats acted. Yeah, do you think that can be enough to, as I keep telling everybody, I don't think we're going to lose the House. I think that might have been the last thing that we needed to protect us from seeing a, a Nancy Pelosi chairman uh, in, in the, uh, the House of, uh, of the U.S. Uh, government. What say you? I hope so. You know, the numbers have not been looking positive for Republicans in the House. I think it's not I think we're going to hold the Senate without a problem at all. But the House has been uh, was always going to be closed. But if you're asking me if the Democrats and those on the left overreached in their smear campaign on Judge Kavanaugh, absolutely. And our, our voters and those that are being polled right now. Uh, responding in kind and, and expressing their frustration, yes, they are. And I think this is going to do two things. Number one, what it has done, Dave, and, and talking with a lot of folks here in Washington and across the country, this was galvanizing the base. Not only did we get the victory of, of having Justice Kavanaugh on the bench, there's the vitriol of the mm-hmm. anger that many Republicans are feeling what the Democrats and those on the left did and smearing a man of good character and integrity. That is energizing our base and getting them out there. And let us it's not a surprise, we're going to have Donald Trump for the next few weeks stoking that base and reminding them of the tactics that the, those on the left went through. And that's going to help energize our base even more, which is generally rather complacent in the midterm. It's going to add fuel to their fire. And a lot of those on the left, and certainly the independents that were going to come out... But, because they wanted to be a check and balance on this president, they're mad. They are upset with the way this was handled. They they have been angry with the way Donald Trump behaved. But what the Democrats did to Justice Kavanaugh was much worse. Attacking a good man uh, for their political outcome, it will backfire on them. And and a lot of the Democrats were going to come out anyway, but the independents that they were anticipating jumping on board into the midterm. I see them losing a lot of that support. Alice, we sure hope you're right. This is R.D. Hopper. Thank you for being on the show. But, uh, you know, sometimes if you have the leadership of the House and the Senate, you can be complacent. And uh, and uh, we've been seeing some complacency in these numbers of people turning out to vote. But I really hope 
that people need to realize do you think that people are thinking about that the democrats are talking about impeaching the president so if we lose the house uh do you think there's uh, that the republicans have to fear about the house taking proceedings to get our president impeached and and what would the consequences of that be it would be devastating and and i think look the democrats i have no doubt in my mind whatsoever if they take the house that will be the first order of business. That was their talk a few weeks ago and maybe a few months ago is what they were they were going to focus on. But they quickly realized that's not a really smart campaign tactic. If that's the only thing they have going for them to campaign on, that's not going to be very successful. So what I'm hearing and the sense I'm getting is they just decided to put that on the back burner and actually try to focus on, on issues that they deem are important, such as attacking Donald Trump and abolishing ICE and and socialized medicine, which they think are more successful for their platform. But I have no doubt in my mind, if they take the House, which I hope they don't, that they will move full speed ahead with impeachment, because that's what they've been saying uh, ever since the, the, the sparkle of the blue wave came out on the headline. So uh, I expect them to do that. That's why it's even more important uh, there in Arkansas, I know that er- early voting is something we need to really put a strong emphasis on getting folks out there early. October and, 22nd. Um, absolutely. And, and reminding folks to, to get out there. And, and certainly we need French Hill. We need the support there and, and French's district to, to get folks out there, but certainly across the state. But Democrats are their number one priority is to get rid of Donald Trump and, you know, every vote we can have for our congressmen across Arkansas it is critical to making sure that doesn't happen. All right. Thank you. Let's get uh, Paul Calvert here. He's got a question for you, and then we'll wrap it up with you. Hey, this is Paul Calvert. Um, what do you think with the um, kind of the dog and pony show that we watch with the Kavanaugh hearings, do you think that might encourage maybe a little bit better accountability for some of these accusations and people who bring them? Uh, is that – or is it just going to kind of continue – and start to become a um, a standard operation for for the left to kind of prance out people that that just make um, kind of outrageous ac- accusations. Oh, well, Paul, that's a it's a great question because, and I, I'm sure all of us can agree that the as Susan Collins said, the Me Too movement is real. It's serious. It matters, and in many cases, it's overdue, and we have to take. Um, these allegations seriously and we have to give these women a voice they do need to be heard there needs to be an environment where they can come out and speak out whether it's in the workplace or whether it is in politics or the entertainment industry or in their personal family situations where they are victims of uh, sexual harassment or sexual abuse that being said what we learned with this hearing is people deserve the presumption of innocence And Justice Kavanaugh was never given that. Democrats automatically, before they even heard the story from Dr. Ford, they believed her and they did not believe Justice Kavanaugh. And that was their rallying cry moving forward before they even heard anything. And they continued with that mindset that in this Me Too movement, the woman must be believed 100 percent. No. And the man is guilty 100 percent. No. Sounds almost like the IRS, doesn't it? Exactly. (laughs) Sounds like the gulag to me. Yeah. Sure, and and we have her claims 
which, granted, I do believe something happened to her. I do not believe it was at the hands of Justice Kavanaugh, but she had many holes in her story. She had no cooperating witnesses. No one backed up her story. And he unequivocally, categorically denied this. So you have to take all of that into consideration. So, Paul, to a long answer to, to your short question is, I hope that we have created an environment where people can come forward and be heard, but we also have to realize that we cannot just go ahead and convict everyone just based on an allegation. All right. Alice, I'm going to let you go. Hey, by the way, are you coming back for election night here, or are you going to be on CNN? I will be here on CNN. I'll either be down at the RNC or the um, the Senate watch, watch party in the war room there, but I will be here in D.C. So I will be uh, with all of you there in spirit. So <laughs> I, I, I pray everything goes the way that we all hope it, hope it will go. All right. We'll talk to you later, Alice. Thanks for the time. We appreciate you. Alice Stewart here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Always nice to hear from her. We run into her. Russ and I do when we're in uh, D.C. and at other big events, and uh, it's always nice to see her. Quick break. More coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, and we got 25 minutes left in this hour, and joining us in studio right now and uh, is uh, Congressman French Hill, and he's here to answer a few questions from us. He's out, of course, on the campaign trail. He's looking to get reelected and uh, just did a, uh, a debate yesterday right yesterday be on uh, aetn tonight okay what time is that airing i think eight o'clock Ooh, you got it you're up against some tough competition yes well, espn2 asu exactly <laughs> against appalachian mm-hmm. state but people should be watching it you know you it got, is you it is available on the web it is available okay. on kuar live streamed as well Any right. particular highlights we should be we should know about well i I, I, I thought it was a surprising debate, and I said this to the news media. I was not asked a question about veterans, which I've had. I've made the centerpiece, I think, of the work I've done over the last three and a half years. And Representative Tucker was not asked about health care. Yeah, which wow. he had wow. his centerpiece of his campaign. So what did they talk about, minimum wage? We talked what? about minimum wage. We talked about Me Too. We talked about uh, tariffs. Uh, we talked about the budget deficit. We talked about immigration policy. We had we had actually a quite a interesting discussion. So there's actually some contrast between you and and he about a minimum wage because I know you've you've That's been right. pretty I'm, consistent I'm, about I've that. I've been consistently opposed about to that uh, law. Not only that I think it's wrong and hurts workers, but also mm-hmm. the way they're doing it this year makes it even more uh, inappropriate. And then immigration was a big contrast because he he told. Uh, people at an immigration rally in the state capitol he didn't know what ice was i know hmm. and last night he says he's for a secure border i'm glad i brought him along in the, in the education process now, well, yeah i want to want to jump the, in the best the best way you can go into a debate is come away with your opponent being smarter yeah yeah i i, I, I i've i've listened to clark tucker and we've had him on the show when he you know being mm-hmm. a state rep and uh, he's had some good ideas. It's just that I can't vote for a Democrat for the simple reason of their party platform. Their party platform, I think, is anti-American. It's anti-life. It's anti-God. I can't get behind that. Well, he's for bigger government and higher taxes. He said he would have voted against the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. He said he would have voted for uh, the Affordable Care Act. Uh, he has a, um, a bad rating with uh, – 
the right to life movement like zero yeah um and uh, he has uh, been all over the map on immigration but i don't think he supports uh, a balanced approach where we have border security i don't think he's i don't think he's on board with that based on his comments he's made well let's start off with the big issue yep and the one that i think uh, resonates whether the media wants to cover it or not in all the years i've been involved in politics and that's since richard nixon and that's the last time we had 3.7 percent unemployment by the way Uh, i was a freshman in high school it amazes me that for whatever reason the the media ignores the fact that people vote their pocketbook people feel that people know when they're, they've got more money, when they can go on a vacation, when they can buy uh, their kids, uh, give them the opportunity to play, you know, peewee football or whatever. You getting that when you go around and knock on doors and talk to people? You bet this morning we were in Dark Hollow, a part of North Little Rock that needs capital investment, and there's Zero Mountain, one of Arkansas's best privately held companies up in Fort Smith in the refrigerated warehouse business is building 80,000 square feet to boost their business for Chick-fil-A, for Tyson Foods. They're going to hire 15 new people and expand there. I was knocking on doors in Faulkner County and in Conway in the neighborhood near UCA, and a, and a, a guy came to the door who uh, works uh, construction. He says, I've never made more money. I've never been busier, and uh, I couldn't be happier. Um, advertising guy up in uh, – Heber Springs, not in my district, Cleburne County, but I saw him in Van Buren County at a Fairfield Bay Chamber event. Best year ever in selling advertising. Hmm. So I think the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is working. I think the removing the wet blanket of the Obama regulatory regime is working. And you see it in the unemployment numbers, a 50-year low that you cite. And it's been sustained now, and it's uh, – been impressive to see that but i like the business optimism index Mm -hmm. because that's more futuristic than looking at unemployment rates that's more about uh what people's outlooks are and i see that improving when people aren't very confident they won't invest they won't they won't try new things and that's because you all in in the house and the folks in the senate and in the white house have given them a consistent vision that you all are trying to to bring to fruition and that's why you need to be put back in to the house well i love my work and it's my 35 years in business uh, and sounding the front of paychecks and working on in regulated businesses and trying to help people start businesses that's caused me to be so sensitive to this economic issue that's what i ran on back in 14 and that's what i've seen bring to fruition we now have faster economic growth and i think our citizens are benefiting from that okay so the the president president kennedy said back in the 60s that a rising tide floats all boats that's happening with trump i mean we've got low uh, black unemployment lowest ever hispanic unemployment those people are getting jobs and the jobs are paying better now we've seen a five percent increase here in the uh the state of Arkansas. This That's is a big all, number. It's all good. It's all good I, news. I see a lot of complainers on social media or on in the press talking about well, there's really no wage increase. 
a 5.7% increase is is good on an inflation-adjusted yeah. basis when well, you adjust it for inflation uh, or not. And I think uh, some people will point out that, well, cost of living is going up, but the standard of living is going up too. I, I think that for people to say that, that, that we're not getting any um, effective um, pay raises, that's crazy. Look at the standard. Yes, compared to like the 80s. No, the standard of living is much higher now than it was in the 80s, and, and people are just living better. Right. We have – we're, we're better off, and I think that's the uh, thing I would argue is you look back over two years, we're better off uh, economically. We're better off militarily. We're better off from a foreign policy point of view. We're better off if you're at Children's Hospital. The Republicans in the House and Senate passed a 10-year reauthorization of the Children's Health Program, funded and offset. And so I would argue Children's Hospital has got more stability and is better off. Same is true for people who care about a lot of issues in this country over the past two years. Yeah, Hardy. Well, I, th- I think it's important that I mentioned earlier on the show these policies of less taxes and less government control and more financial freedom for our banks to loan to businesses and everything is important. But I think we need to remind people, and, and I wonder if you agree with me, that what we've heard from Democrats, if they take the House, is they would want to impeach our president <laughs> and turn these policies around. So if people listening that are independent or Republicans and don't think that this is an important election, that if we lose the House, these policies could be turned around if they were successful. Yeah. If, they're, if they're Democrats, they should be a, aware of what their own party wants <laughs> well, to do. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just would say people ask me, why do you mention Nancy Pelosi? And I say, Nancy Pelosi is policy. Nancy Pelosi That's is right. the leader of the Democrats in the House. She has the votes to remain the leader. My opponent and other people can say they're not going to vote for them, but it doesn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. She's the leader. She sets the agenda, and they're going to raise taxes. They're going to return to Obama-style Obama regulations. They're going to make the Trump administration fail at every at every mean, and there is a group, about 50 of them in her party, that want to uh, impeach the president. 153 members of her party want uh, to go to nationalized uh, medical care, Bernie care. They want to go full-on Medicare for all. They want to abolish that. That means 93% of the American people that get their care through TRICARE or through a private employer-based plan would eventually not have that option anymore. So the Pelosi is policy, and she is a hand-picked person that she's spending money for right now to run against me, period, full stop. That's all there is to it. And so uh, I mentioned her because she is who will give you Maxine Waters as chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. Oh, my Lord. Jerry Nadler as chairman of the Judiciary Committee. And together, Pelosi and Nadler announced that they're going to FOIA all the Kavanaugh documents and open up their own investigation in the House of Representatives uh, if the Democrats take the House. All right. So the president is up to 51 percent in the polls. I know there's a lot of people out there scratching their heads saying, why? Well, because he's giving Americans what they want. That's why. So uh, this has got to play well for you. I think so. The generic ballot has bounced all over the place, but people are going down the checklist based on the 16 election. They wanted conservative judges appointed to the court. They wanted the regulatory wet blanket rolled back. They wanted tax reform. They wanted a pro-business, pro-economic growth appointees in government. They wanted a more robust American-led foreign policy. 
So this is what President Bush, I mean, President Trump campaigned on. What are we lacking? We're lacking border security and fixing the broken immigration system. We didn't get a check mark on that. Schumer shut that opportunity yep. down. We did not get to repeal and replace uh, the health care uh, bill and get affordable health care where the market plays a role. We didn't get that. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm fr- as frustrated as any person. Left or right, frankly, mm-hmm. this is a pretty much universally frustrating topic. Yeah, healthcare, so much for being affordable. <laughs> huh? Right. Well, yeah, there was no affordability to that. Yeah. So we've got a lot of work to do. So I think his and and then I'll I'll give him credit on some things where I have a disagreement with him on how to handle trade issues. But he signed the North the uh, South Korean agreement, one that he was critical of. He has announced bilateral trade arrangements to start negotiations with Japan. He will do that with the U.K. in March after Brexit. He got a reform NAFTA done. took him two years. Don't and call people, it. Don't call it that. Yeah, don't call it that. I can't even come up with the <laughs> it's acronym. A Mex- it's a Mex- well, it's, a, it's like the U.S. U.S., Mexico, and Canada trade agreement. It was his right? way of paying yeah. – paying, uh, a salute to the United States Marine Corps, he said. Right. I, that's, yeah, that's how I remember. <laughs> but bottom line was it took two years to do it. Tough negotiating. Yeah. We made some modernizations from 25 years ago, and we added some things, and he got what he wanted. What You say, well, what did Trump want? Trump wanted more American content in the three-country automotive mm-hmm. business, and he got that. Yeah, he did. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Got a lot more to talk about. Uh, Congressman French Hill is our guest uh, for the rest of this half hour. Don't forget about Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. They're still growing that lo- that 12th Street location, their first location, becoming a state-of-the-art facility. Uh, that really large new waiting room they're having, uh, the new gate room that they have already uh, finished up. And uh, if you're a woman, you've lost uh, breast because of uh, breast cancer or because you're afraid of breast cancer, know that They have a room specifically designed for you for privacy and comfort while you're fitted with prosthetic or orthotic devices. And it's all because of Horton's pride and how they pride themselves on taking care of you, their patients. Remember six locations with the new updated facility in Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. It's Horton's orthotics and prosthetics providing a lifetime of support. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Let's finish up with our special opportunity with Congressman French Hill. Let me just say, Congressman, thanks so much. You you make yourself available to the show on an ongoing basis, and we do appreciate that. Yeah, good to be with you, Dave. Uh, speak to the Kavanaugh confirmation. That, that was one of the darkest periods I've seen. That was worse than Watergate. I mean, this was dark, ugly. And a lot of the people that were going to be running for president were out there for the Democrats. Highly politicized, very sad. I thought the testimony of Dr. Ford was emotional, sad. I thought his emotion around uh, the charges and allegations that had no grounding were sad. And I have to tell you, I had flashbacks to two parts of my past. One was... Uh, I worked on the White House staff during Justice Thomas's confirmation hearings. Oh, wow. And I had obligations to help him be confirmed by contacting certain people. And I remember just the disgust, the sadness, uh, and the 
for our country, for the Judiciary Committee. Um, and I'm still – I still sort of – I got goosebumps about the Kavanaugh hearings about that. I, you know, it was – it brought back bad memories. And then my old good friend who was in my wedding and a dear friend of our family, John Tower, who had been nominated in 1989 to be – defense secretary by president the first president bush and he was also falsely accused yes. and turned down by the senate both those instances and there are others donovan labor reagan mm-hmm. administration what department do i go to to get my reputation back hmm. famous, yes. famous quote so i have a lot of sadness about it and uh, i have sadness for dr ford and obviously what she went through but the issue she is, didn't ask for that nope nope and let me tell you something her story should have been given credence in July when Diane Feinstein had that information. It should have been brought to the committee and the committee staff and handled it with care and confidentiality. And instead, she was a pawn in a uh, after the act, you know, uh, attack after the record was closed and turned it into just the the, the spectacle that we saw. And I called it Kabuki theater. It's terrible. It really was. I and agree. it's hurt a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of anger in this country over that. People didn't live through John Tower, Bort, uh, I Justin have. Thomas. Well, they yeah, did. I don't, so I don't this everybody. Their, this, this is their experience. This is kind of new for me. I mean, it, it, I, I wasn't old enough to remember. Well, this is what it was like. Yeah. And that's why some old hands on the commentary said, well, we've seen this movie before, yeah. and we didn't want to see it again. And we no. saw it again almost chapter and verse. Wow. Yeah, and it's always someone on the Democrat side that, quote, the Democrats hold up with almost religious ferocity. I mean, it was Ted Kennedy or Thomas. I mean, Ted Kennedy is the one who led the charge on that. Ted Kennedy at Bork Bork. You know, I mean, for people to call him the lion of the Senate, it just, well, pisses me off, to be honest. Well, look. I work uh, part-time in a city, Washington, D.C., where hypocrisy knows no bounds. And uh, I think everybody in the country understands that. But – and they expect it a little bit from politic politics generally. That's why people are turned off by it. But they do expect fair play. And yeah, they yeah. did not see fair play. No. And I would argue they didn't see fair play to either one of those people. No. It would be uh, – because I don't think the staff – Handled it right. I thought Diane Feinstein's credibility was shredded. I thought her staff's credibility was shredded. I was. It was a terrible spectacle. We're down to just a few moments. I did want to ask you this question, and and that is when you look at what the Democrats did uh, at this juncture. All right. So now it's it's uh, what is it uh, five four? You have five that are leaning to the right. What happens if? Ginsburg happens to pass away or or Breyer decides that he's going to retire and Trump gets to nominate another Supreme Court justice and he's already said it's going to be Amy Barrett. Uh-huh. Holy cow. D- this ain't nothing what we just saw of what's going to happen. I, I don't disagree. And we've seen this before in our country. We've seen courts and the court appointments drive the entire cycle of of the political season during the eisenhower administration during the fdr administration Uh, we just haven't and and i would argue during the reagan administration to some some degree um 
So buckle up. <laughs> because if, if there is a, a death or a retirement, President Trump has done, I think, an outstanding job carefully vetting, determining a list with ABA, Federalist Society, and other input, having those reviewed very carefully, and then putting those names out transparently for people to, to see and study. Another reason why I thought uh, what the process was so unfair to, to Judge Kavanaugh. Now, I look at uh, the Democrat Party and, you know, one of their, their holy sacraments is, uh, is abortion. abortion. And Amy Barrett belongs to one of the largest pro-life groups at Notre Dame campus. She's a practicing Roman Catholic. Holy cow. Yeah, I mean, I'll have things to talk about for several months. So, so will, the, will the left decide that, well, you know, maybe the Supreme Court isn't so important and we shouldn't actually follow their precedent if if it becomes packed to the – Leading to the right. And be interesting. Congressman, we're already out of time. What a treat to be with we you. we got to bring you in here sometime for an hour or so. Thank it's, you it's so much for having me. I appreciate you having appreciate me the, here. Appreciate your voice on the radio. Thanks so much, and uh, keep fighting the conservative cause. We'll do it. All Good right. to be with you guys. Thank Take you. a break. Thank Bible you. Guys are up next here on the Dave Ellswick Thank Show. Good job. <laughs> All right, final hour of a Tuesday edition of Dave Ellswick Show. By the way, I will see many of you uh, at 7 o'clock over at Riverdale 10, tonight's classic movie. And it's one of Scott Stewart's all-time favorite movies. It's The Exorcist. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, thank that'll be, you. That'll be showing tonight. Although, I, I, Steve, you seem to be like, it's like your number three movie, isn't no, it, of all time? No. so that'll be that'll be on tonight uh seven o'clock we're almost sold out on tickets into the theater so have you ever uh, done uh, have you ever done fiddler on the roof oh yeah yeah i've done that in the past great flick i've done that you know yeah you would like you would really like that have has a a zionist feel to it doesn't it (laughs) 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 i like it because the same reason to be honest with you is it's uh, it's all about pogroms and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. No, so you know, a, it's a great flick. It is a good movie. I had a question at uh, work the other day, and this guy I can't remember what he was going through a study, and he actually brought up all of that, and he said, he goes, "Why is it that in almost every generation of the Jewish people that somebody has gone after them? Because it seems like every culture throughout history has gone after them." He goes, "They've you, been disobedient." Uh, well. There's, I get the reason I gave is the Genesis three. Okay. And Genesis three was the promise of the seed, and so the enemy thought, and that's why in every generation he went after him with a different group of people, and even after the the time of not seeing the Messiah, um, the kind of the same thing because they're God's chosen people. The seed came through them that uh, the enemy needed to destroy them. But yeah, that movie plays out very well what happened to them in the. Uh, late 1800s early 1900s yeah. in russia yeah. really kind of crazy to be honest and but you're right that, that i'm sure is the enemy's main intent you would think that you know they can read the same book i read yeah. and in the end you lose bud that's right, right. <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, and, think and you can see that revelation 12 which is a is a, a big hot button prophecy topic nowadays because of the uh the woman uh, who gives birth to the child, and, and a lot of people are misunderstanding and looking for things in the stars right now with that. But that whole thing is dealing with Israel and the birth of the of the Messiah and the Christian people, um, and that just makes the point. And then it says that the enemy went after the woman after that, so he went after Israel because she gave birth to the Messiah. So, all right, phone number eight two three zero nine six five eight two three 
888-888-0965. You can call in with your question for the Bible guys. It can be on anything. You could be a non-believer and uh, call in and, and ask whatever question you have that you think proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Bible isn't true or it's got all kinds of you know failings in it and, and all kinds of things. So feel free. These guys really look forward to those questions even more so than a lot of times about the questions about the faith. Uh, if you have a question about the faith, then they're the guys to talk to as well. 8230965. Is there something within Scripture that you're not sure about, that you've read about, that you'd like some clarification about? Here's your opportunity to get that. Of course, uh, Scott Stewart is uh, the pastor at Agape Church at 701 Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock. Their Sunday service time is at 10 a.m., and their website is aclr.org, Apple, Charlie, uh, Laura, Robert, okay, aclr.org. Uh, Steve, who's with us, is uh, a member at Agape and works with Agape, but also works with the United States Air Force. Is it the Air Force? Uh, well, I don't really work with the Air Force. But okay. You work with the people who make the right. C-130. I, I train uh, um, the next generation. I used to be a uh, military guy for 21 years, and now I teach the next generation. I would have never known that with your demeanor. Mm-mm. Right. He's mm-hmm. sweet. It's because yeah, I'm sweet, he's a nice gentle, guy. kind. <laughs> Speaks with kind words yes, always. He always. does. So, he does. So you know that. I'm never straightforward in all no. <laughs> no. Beat around the bush. Yep. Drag his feet. He does. <laughs> he really does. That's just the way it goes. All right, so what are some things that you perhaps have, you know, run into this week? I haven't had any uh, questions emailed to me. Mm-hmm. Have you had anything that you all have heard that people have been confused about or asking about well, as far I, as this goes? Well, I can say that uh, I'm about to uh, – we just finished a, um, a series on the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, and um, – the thing about the, that that is kind of uh, interesting and intriguing, what people are, have been talking about, is um, you know the Bible actually tells us in the book of Zechariah it says that even in the millennial reign, when Messiah is sitting on the earth, that all nations will celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, they also keep the Sabbath and so forth. So these, uh, and so we because they were going to celebrate it in the future, and because Jesus celebrated it, and because all the apostles celebrated it, and because God gave it to us originally. We've been um, celebrating that particular uh, fact, and um, and so in the in light of that, we've been talking about the, the of God's indwelling presence and the presence of God and how His presence changes everything. I, a move of God, Dave, changes our nation completely. We need a move of God, but you know, and many people would call that a revival, and what a revival is, many people believe it's just a whole bunch of saved a whole bunch of people getting saved. But a revival is actually a reviving of people who are already vived mm-hmm. at one time and they need to be woken up basically. Uh, and um, and so, if, you know, if people are listening right now, I I think that uh, I just want to send out a word and just call you to just call to wake up. Amen. Because I think that we have fallen into a stupor, into a slumber. Um, 
things have been happening to us where it dulled our sensitivity to the things of God, dulled our sensitivity to, to, to murder and immorality, to where we become the proverbial frog in a pot that's just being, being boiled alive and we don't even realize that we're about to uh, expire. So, um, you know, just I'm, my prayer right now is just for a revival that the people would begin to wake up in churches. I mean, people have been so happy to exchange. Um, I like to say it like this. Some people have been happy to exchange light for heat. I mean, they they have they've been willing to to exchange the good for or willing to exchange the great just for the good. Um, they're willing to cut out things that are very vital to the scripture for the purpose of having um, a few um, a few perks in this area or that area. It's like I explain it like this sometimes to our congregation. I've asked them. I said, "Would you be willing to send your children to a school that had uh, that?" That um, maybe they had a brand new facility, maybe they had um, incredible uh, programs and after school programs and sports programs, but they decided that um, math was just optional. You didn't really need math anymore, uh, and that um, and that language wasn't really uh, necessary. I think most people would say, you know, it doesn't matter how cool the building is or where the extracurricular extracurricular activities are if you don't have math and you don't have language don't teach children how to read i'm not going to send my kid there and unfortunately i think many people have have done just that they've traded flash they've traded excitement they've traded good extra hey we have a we have a nice cafe in our church well you know we have too i'm not doubting i'm just saying what people will say hey they have a nice cafe and a really cool program for the kids mm-hmm. okay yeah they don't teach uh um you know they don't really teach the scripture in the way that i know it should be taught but boy they got a really cool gym and it's almost like we've just traded too much yeah all right so just got a email okay with the growth of the messianic movement mm-hmm. what has been the response from the jewish community locally and nationally right mm. well the um locally um you know we started this uh congregation seven years ago in sherwood and we didn't have any negative um reaction from anybody in, in the jewish community uh, and what dealings that we did have, um, there really was not an offense or, I don't know, I guess just say there was really not a reaction either way uh, locally. And it, But it also depends um, on who you ask as far as nationally or as a whole. Um, some of the Jewish people uh, would be very glad that the, the Christian people are finding Torah again or finding the law of Moses again. Um, they believe – similar to what we do in the sense that when as they say when messiah comes or as we say when he comes back all the world will be doing it anyway so they're really not opposed to it but then there's this other group um that are not happy uh, and saying that we are trading in areas that we're not supposed to uh so it really is kind of mixed and it depends on which group you ask okay scott yeah i would say the same thing i think i think it's a very um uh, mixed i think uh, a lot of them are very excited that we're finding uh, the Jewish root um, of the Christian faith. They just don't want us to go too uh, too far. Well, they don't want you to take some of their firm Jewish believers and see them actually find the risen Savior. No, no. I do have a friend that is Jewish who does not appreciate and has told me just to my face that we you, we need to get our own stuff and leave their stuff alone. Uh, but 
you know, it's okay. Except that our man told us right. that we're supposed <laughs> right. to take up their stuff. You know, the, right. one of the things that people don't realize about the um, the New Testament is they study the New Testament in, in the Hebrew University because of its history of first century Judaism. Uh, and they understand, even though they don't see he's a Messiah yet, they see how Judaic Christianity was in the first century. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they, they, they almost would understand. They go, well, it's about time you guys came back home, you know. You know, um, 2008 um, – Newsweek magazine. Once a year, Newsweek puts out an a, a an edition, and it's called "The Things That Will Change the World." And um, 2008, I was living in Scotland at the time, and uh, the article, the magazine was released, and it was the ten things that would change the world. And in that ten list of ten, there were things about you know global warming. There was all kinds of you know just a random mishmash, uh, just a mixed kettle of fish when it comes to different things. But the thing that really struck me was number 10 on the list. This number 10, they said this thing alone will be more powerful than politics, more powerful than money. And number 10 on the list was making Jesus a Jew again. Wow. Newsweek. Wow. Newsweek does not have a lot of uh, (laughs) spirit-filled writers, I don't believe. But, But they could see that this thing here would be more powerful than politics or money if we allowed Jesus to become a Jew again, what that would do, how it would revolutionize the way we as as believers lived our life and how we processed truth and how we had unity in what we did. I mean, think about this, Dave. You you probably know this. I'm sure you do. That when they came over on the um, on the on the Mayflower, they took a vote. What language are we going to speak in the new world? And it was between English. Obviously, we're speaking English, so English won. But it was between English and Hebrew. Hebrew lost by one vote. Imagine if if we would have won that, how we all would have been speaking Hebrew as our native language today. Think about how we would read the Bible. How would we be celebrating Jesus differently? I mean – we would we would be calling him Yeshua. We'd be yeah. celebrating the feast. I mean, we would our whole Christian worldview would be dramatically different had that one vote swung in the other direction. And they didn't leave it there. They brought it back up again, like in 1680, and tried again to make our national language uh, Hebrew. I mean, it was very much a part of our life cycle. All right. So when we come back, let's talk about this. How much have we moved Jesus from not only being a Jew? but making him an American. Mm, That's a good one. Let's talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about 100% satisfaction. I mean, wouldn't you like to be 100% satisfied with the house you buy? 100% satisfied with your health? 100% satisfied, you know, with uh, your car? How about being 100% satisfied with any business dealings that you do? Uh, well, that's Aero Plumbing. They've got a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied with the service they provide, they will refund all your money. If their plumber doesn't wear his shoe covers, you don't have to pay for the service. If you find out he hasn't been drug tested, don't pay for the service. If he swears in your home, you don't have to pay for the service. If a repair fails, In the first year, they'll repair it again at no charge. That's what you get with the professionals at Aero Plumbing. Aeroplumbing.net or on Google, just Aero Plumbing. We got about four minutes. Uh, You know, Jesus in our culture now is not a Jew. I mean, I, I took that up two years ago in our life group over at New Life Church, and 
uh, the sign for my life group lessons that Steve was so good to to teach was, did you know Jesus is a Jew? And uh, we treat him like he's an American. Mm -hmm. You know, how has that robbed us of of our knowledge of the Messiah? Well, uh, just to jump in here quickly, um, I've mentioned this actually just recently at our church, and that is this, you know, there's a verse of Scripture that says, um, it says, well, it's typically said that uh, money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. But that's actually not the whole verse. The whole verse is it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And there's a difference. There's a difference. And so anytime you take a verse out of context, you're distorting the truth of what God wanted. And so I asked a question to our congregation. I said, well, what would happen if you took the entire life of Jesus out of context? Mm-hmm. What could you make that act, that life actually say? And I think that is fundamentally what we have done. We've taken his entire life out of context, and now we have him being born in Bethlehem, Arkansas, That's right. uh, being raised in the in in, uh, in an American culture. Uh, we have we have baptized him in some type of lye soap to where his skin is pale now, and his hair is light, and his eyes are blue, and and we have made him very much into a. Uh, northern european evangelical pastor of the 21st century as opposed to letting him be uh the jewish rabbi that he actually was and it, i think it distorts almost every single thing that he absolutely did it's well, caused it, us to almost completely flip the entire story upside down the one thing that we've gotten right two things is taking care of the poor the widow and you know loving your neighbor and the way of salvation but understanding the fullness of the scriptures because we have read it through our lens and through our culture has caused us to misinterpret so much because we're past it to deceive of Western culture. Correct. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you take um, most most scholars will tell us this that of all the the gospels, it only represents seventeen days of Jesus' life in ministry. That represents one percent of the one thousand two hundred and some odd days he ministered. So we have one percent of his entire ministry, and seventy four percent of that one percent is related to different feast days. What he did at Passover, what he did at Sukkot, what he did at Shavuot, what he was doing. So if you actually boil it down, 74% of everything he did happened that the Holy Spirit said, this is sufficient for my church to survive on for 2,000 years and feed off of. 74% of the 1% of information was given to us is all about the feast of the Lord. And when you take him out of context, you can see him doing stuff, and we never contextualize his life we never let him do what he's doing within the context of the feast, and therefore we miss the majority of the message that he was trying to present to us in the first place. Yeah, because that's something that tends to be forgotten because it, it doesn't, the Bible doesn't speak to it specifically, but that as he's living the, the three years that he's ministering, he's carrying out all the feasts yeah. and, and all of the things that God has set up that the Jew is supposed to be doing. He's doing all those he is. things. Just to give you a quick example. Uh, we just finished the Feast of Tabernacles. At the Feast of Tabernacles, these are the things that were said <clears throat> and done at Feast of Tabernacles. Number one, when Jesus said that he was the living water, that happened at Tabernacles. Well, if you don't put that comment in the Feast of Tabernacles, you don't know what he's talking about fully. Number two, I am the light of the world. He said that at the Feast of Tabernacles. Why did he say that? Well, if you know the Feast, the Feast will tell you why he said that. The woman that was called in adultery, that happened at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Mount of Transfiguration, that happened at the Feast of Tabernacles. He wrote in the sand with his finger, that happened at the Feast of Tabernacles. Peter said, let's make three tents and stay. 
That was at the Feast of Tabernacles. When he commissioned the 70 to go out, that happened at the Feast of Tabernacles. So all of these things that we we disconnect from what they were what they were all about. All right, news, and then we're back. Twenty five minutes until six o'clock. Twenty five more minutes with the Bible guys. We appreciate everybody who's sending us Bible guide questions. You're uh, uh, emailing us. Thank you so much for that. We got several questions to, to deal with. If you want to call in and talk, eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five. You want to deal with yours first, yeah. and then I'll read mine's one pretty, that I got. I think mine's pretty straightforward. Good. Um, mine, uh, the question sent here is, um, if God desires revival for his people, then why don't we have it? Um, I'll take, maybe I'll make a couple of comments. I'll throw it over to Steve. Uh, this question assumes that whatever God wants, God gets. Um, and um, I think we have to you know, understand the fact that just because God wants something does not mean that God gets it. For example, the Bible tells us, uh, that God is not willing that anybody perish, but that everybody be saved. I was just going to say that. And so if that's God's will, which it does say, it's, he's not willing, um, then the question is, was everybody saved? No. Well, that's because we got wills, too. There you go. And so, the, and that really kind of boils it down. Just because God wants something doesn't mean God gets it. The Bible declares for us his, his will, but the fact that his will uh, is not walked out is not because of his lack of desire or a lack of enabling. But there's something else at play that stops his will from being put in practice. And what is that, Steve? Our, our lack of desire. Um, the reason we don't have it is because we're not hungry for it. Uh, we have become, um, I was going to open up, I think it's uh, Ezekiel 16 or 18, where it lists the reasons why judgment came to Sodom. And if you say why judgment came to Sodom and you should go out and do a survey and take street, they'll tell you it's because of homosexuality. And according to the Ezekiel, that was not even mentioned in the list of things. And what happened, uh, according to Ezekiel, was that the people were lazy, they were idle, they had abundance of food, and they didn't take out, they didn't stretch their hands out of the poor and needy. So they became fat, stupid, and lazy. Sounds kind of like the United States. Fat, stupid, and lazy. That's the Steve translation Steve of what, translation. what it says yeah. right there. I got you. And, and why did all of the, and what happened with when judgment came to Israel? The book of Jeremiah chapter 3 says it, I think, like 14 times in, in that chapter alone, God says, return to me. And Jeremiah is begging for the people of Israel to return to him so he doesn't have to bring judgment. And what happened is they got comfortable where they were at. They didn't feel like they needed God anymore. They weren't worried about it. And so we don't have revival because we're not hungry for God. We're hungry for programs. Uh, We're hungry for the hour that we punch and stamp our clock in for the hour that we give to God on the weekends. Maybe the 30 seconds that people say a little prayer before each meal without spending any real time in study or in real time in prayer. We're not hungry. And so you can't expect the Spirit of God to indwell and to come and abide when people, when they're like, well, we've got an hour for you on Sunday. I hope you can make it. If not, we'll catch up next weekend. And that's, that sounds cr- uh, crude, uh, but that's just the simple truth. After all, the football game starts in a couple minutes, and we got to we yeah. got to get on our way. Don't watch I'm, how I'm, long you're I'm, preaching I'm, there, I'm, Pastor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> 30 minutes at the most. <laughs> yeah. The Bible tells us this. God says, uh, behold, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he said, choose. That's right. Life. And he says, and he told them to choose life. <laughs> but the point is that they had to choose uh, what type of life they were going to live, blessing, cursing, good or evil. He gave us a choice to choose. And revival is the same way. 
God wants everybody to be saved more than we want everybody That's to right. be saved, but not everybody is. God wants revival more than we want it, but that doesn't mean that we have it. Speaking of terminology we talked about in the last segment, is you drive down the road and you see signs that says uh, revival. If you're kind of wondering what revival is, that's not it. That's <laughs> that's called a tent meeting. Mm-hmm. That's just called a conference. Revival is when people are stirred and they are hungry for God. But if you've got to advertise it, uh, then there's really not a revival going on. If if some of the two of the top ten most visited websites in America are pornography websites, there's not a revival going on in America. There is a lack of hunger, a lack of desire for righteousness and holiness in this nation, and we're not hungry. And it will not change no matter who's in the office, no matter who we get on the Supreme Court, but until we get tired of being unholy and unrighteous and not seeking the manifested presence of God's glory, then nothing will change, and he will not show up. He is a gentleman. He will sit on the sidelines, and he will not come until you open the door for him. It's just that simple. And that's why we say he doesn't speak directly. He just kind of beats around the bush. Our Steve. Oh, yeah, me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's good. <laughs> he does well. Yeah, if you don't want to know the truth, if you don't want it honest, don't, ask. don't come here. Don't ask. You will walk away with hurt feelings, I promise right. you, but you will carry the truth away with you. Okay, so guys, here's this comes from Jenny, all right? So if many churches are getting the idea that Sabbath is still important and holy, why do they still have church services almost entirely on Sunday? Should we be doing it on Saturday instead? From what I've read, Emperor Constantine changed it to Sunday in uh, AD 300 something. So, why have we not changed it back in all these centuries if we know this history, Jenny? That's a good. <clears throat> it's a good and very broad. Uh, I say broad. It's a. It's a lot to talk about there, Jenny. But um, um, if we start off with the original. Uh, understanding what sabbath is as given to us um by the lord he gave sabbath originally to adam of course uh and then of course to all mankind when god did that um there was no such thing as um jew or gentile there was uh, there was there was no jews until the birth of judah or you know you can take it back to abraham if you want to which some people do but there was no there were no Jews. Therefore, Sabbath is given to all mankind, not just to one group of people. And it was the Lord's Sabbath. It was a gift that God had given to mankind for the purpose that what we should do is we should Shabbat. And the word Shabbat means to rest. <clears throat> it becomes more codified when it gets into the Ten Commandments. And once again, it's given. And if you read what it says there, you see that it actually tells us to, once again, to rest. And you're resting before the Lord and you're enjoying his presence and celebrating his bounty and his goodness but there again there's not there's not a mention of an assembly that gathers together on that particular day you fast forward and this becomes the life god commands people to come and worship before him at certain times of the year these are called moedim feast days uh, as we would know them today but there was not a sabbath gathering of people until babylon when the jews were taken off into babylon um, they get in Babylon, and the rabbis say, okay, now what are we going to do? We don't have a temple. How are we going to keep our faith together? And so they institute something called the synagogue. Synagogues did not exist until the Babylonian captivity. So in Babylon, they instituted a day of weekly worship because they couldn't go to the temple and do anything else. They went, and they had a weekly worship. Uh, and um, and when they came back to Israel, uh, they maintained the synagogue Celebration. There's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, Yeshua, Jesus celebrated, so there's absolutely nothing wrong with the wrong with that. Um, and so, um, 
so we understand that that was firmly acceptable, and we believe that Jesus' presence there more or less you know undergirded and substantiated the need to to gather. But what all what we see happening though, as it continued on from there, we see that the new the believers were meeting daily. Uh, they met daily in the temple. Yeah. Uh, and if you count daily, one thing you do find is that daily covers Sunday. So they would have been meeting also on Sunday as well as on Monday and Tuesday and Shabbat. Um, from my perspective, you, you cannot you cannot replace uh, Sabbath with Sunday. And that's a part of replacement theology, and a lot of people have done that. Um, we, we can't do that. Uh, if you're going to worship God on, like at our church, we have also we have a midweek service on Wednesday. Um, we can have one every day for that matter. But we have one on Wednesday. We also have one on Sunday. But we are also Sabbath keepers. You cannot allow what you do on Sunday to replace the integrity and the need for uh, for the Shabbat. Do I believe we should have, would the ideal be to have service on Sabbath? Absolutely. And we're working to that end. But I know for myself, uh, you you can't lead people to a place that they won't follow. And they have to be educated to follow in the in a certain direction, and that takes a long time to educate someone in the and right direction. Most, and most everybody that is coming to that revelation, and, and I think that the end of the question said something like, "We've come to that revelation over the last few hundred years." It's more like the last few years. Mm. Um, it's only been the messianic movie really didn't get going until the early seventies, maybe the late sixties at best. And where, that wasn't in large numbers, either. right? It was not. It was very small, and it, it's really only been within the last decade. Uh, to the last two decades that it's really become more prevalent. Uh, and you are seeing that there are a lot of denominations that are starting to have those days where they'll either do a Torah study or they are will shift services to Shabbat, uh, or at the very least they just keep the Shabbat from the point of um, not shopping uh, and not doing yard work and not doing the regular job things and so on and so forth. So there there is a, a, a movement of people who are starting to see the importance and, and how Sabbath was a, a blessing. It was a gift to us. God gave it to us for us um, to rest on. So there are people, who, and they are starting to make that shift. And and I think the those who are not, even though we, even though the vast majority of the churches, pastors who have any theological background, will know what happened when Constantine changed it, but they also believe um, almost all churches believe in a mild form of replacement theology. And nearly every church, probably ninety five percent, believe Jesus came to do away with the law. Well, one of those laws that they believe he came to do away with would have been the Sabbath. So that's the main reason why most churches don't do it, because they don't believe we're to keep them any longer. And if that's been taught for 1,700-and-something years, that's a lot of history that you've got to fight against. It takes a while for people to change. Um, you know, And they might start mildly believing it, but you've got to really believe it to yeah. make that change. When I started my church in Scotland, I started it on Shabbat. That's when we started our church, uh, and and for some reason, I just we were taking two steps forward and one step backwards as a congregation, and uh, so finally, I started to start talking to people. And what was happening was these people who were coming to our congregation on Shabbat were loving it, but then they were telling me they said, "But um, I didn't feel like I had been to church when I woke up Sunday morning, yeah. so I was going somewhere else for Sunday morning service, and they were going there, getting messed up, or being told that what they were being taught <laughs> was not right for me. So so all of a sudden, whatever I was trying to do was being undone the, the morning after, and and so I found what I needed to do was to, you know, you know how the Apostle Paul said, hey, here's an idol to the unknown God. Let me tell you about, let me preach the gospel from this point. So what we did was we basically, basically we went ahead and we provided a Sunday morning service, 
to begin to educate our people. And part of that education was about the importance of the Shabbat and begin to move our people culturally from this position from a Sunday into a place of observing uh, Sabbath. So we weren't losing what we were trying to uh, gain. So we, like the Apostle Paul, you know, Apostle Paul, he quote he quoted pagan poets. He didn't he used the culture to preach the gospel. And so he realized the culture is so Sunday centric that we need to. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with celebrating the Lord on Sunday as long as you're not replacing the replacing the Shabbat. They met as early as 150 A.D. They were meeting on Sunday as well to honor the day that the Lord resurrected. They didn't change the Shabbat, but they just added an additional uh, to honor the day he resurrected. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Sonny's auto salvage for a moment. Number one choice for recycled auto parts. And I've used them several times. I mean, I'm one of those guys – and I've said, uh, if you want me to t- be green, save me green. You save me money, and I'll be green, you know? And this is a way that saves me money. If I use a recycled auto part from a well-maintained total-loss vehicle, I'm going to pay about 50% less than if I buy an OEM or a, a brand-new part. Well, with a car that's got nearly 300,000 miles, I'm not all about buying brand-new parts, but We'll reuse the recycled auto parts, get a three-year warranty, parts and labor, unlimited mileage, and I don't worry about it then. So what if it's used? It's covered. It'll be fixed if something goes wrong. So I, uh, I've i got a motor in my Corolla that's uh, a recycled auto part. I've got a transmission that's a recycled auto part. I've got some small things in my uh my um, Acadia that are recycled auto parts. And the bottom line, the cars run just tip top. And you can do the same thing. Save money, fix your car. Don't be worried about going out and buying a new one. Give up the car payment of 600 plus dollars. I know people are paying over a thousand dollars a month on a car payment. To me, that's crazy. You know, I don't even pay over a thousand dollars for my house payment. So, uh, you know, just play it smart. Call Sonny's Auto Salvage, number one choice for recycled auto parts. See what they can save you. 982-7451. That's 982-7451. You got a question for the Bible guys? It's 823-0965 or just send it to Guys at SalemLR, Back with you, six minutes to go here with the Bible Guys. Fastest moving hour on radio in the Dave Ellswick Show every Tuesday at 5 o'clock. If you have a question, uh, you can just send it an email and do that to BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. I I can forward them to uh, both Scott and Steve, and they can see them early and maybe give you a quick little answer, and then they'll do some study and have more in-depth answer when they get to Tuesday. But the bottom line is it is BibleGuys at SalemLR, S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com. So uh, we, uh, the Shabbat, I think we got the answer that the person was maybe not looking for, but. Yeah. A straight answer for. I mean, if I can just throw in uh, one more thing here about the um, about contextualizing Jesus's life. Um, I mentioned I gave you a list of things that happened. Explain to my listeners what you mean about contextualizing. Yeah, um, if you if 
for example, if somebody was going to make a life study of Dave Ellswick, which I know would be a riveting thing to do. Uh, it'd have to be rated <laughs> maybe double X, something in the Times. But if, but if, if the way you decide to study Dave's life is you changed his name from Dave to Fred, mm-hmm. you changed his skin color, you changed the way he looked, and you studied him from a Chinese perspective, how many knows you would never really understand who Dave Ellswick was? Yep. So if you, true. Take, if, you take some, if you take a first century rabbi from the land of Israel named Yeshua, you change his name to Jesus, you put blue eyes in him, reduce the, the tone of his skin, put him in an American Western 21st century context, you're never really going to understand him from the, the true perspective that he was raised in and the way he expressed himself. So you've got to recontextualize, you have to put him back in Israel, you've got to make him a Jewish rabbi. You've got to allow him to express his Judaism the way God told him to. You have to let him speak from the perspective of the Torah. You have to let him live a fully Jewish life. And then that is the person then that you're supposed to follow. And that's why you should go on the Internet and study, <laughs> and study. from a Hebraic uh, you know, background. If there's only a place people could go. But there is. There is. is. Steve, where is it, Steve? Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> the AmericanInstitute.org. Uh, we highly recommend it, uh, maybe because we know the guys that uh, got this thing uh, rebirthed. And um, uh, you can't say it really any better than what uh, Pastor Scott was just saying. If most of your um, theological schools, you are going to get a degree in their theology or in their interpretation of the Bible. We put everything back in its context. We don't really deal with theology. We don't deal uh, with different philosophies. We deal with what the text says. Uh, and then you can make up your mind on what you want to believe about certain things, but what you're going to get is what was going on, where it was going on, and who was speaking, and where they were speaking, and what the idioms were, what the language was, what the culture was. And then when you read it from that perspective and understand all of that, the scriptures make so much more sense. The Bible really is easy to understand i know there's a lot of people that don't believe that but it really is true and this is we are accredited with the largest non-governmental crediting agency in the in the world you can get an associates a ba um <clears throat> with uh, with the institute we're hoping to develop our master's program as a little more time goes on or you can just audit the class you can just mm-hmm. take the classes just for general That's information what i'm going to do and it costs you 50 bucks to do that, and you get $50. You get 12 hours of teaching. That's less than $4 uh, an hour, and you get some great information. You get all the sets of notes. Someone else has done gone to a lot of trouble. So just go to AmericanInstitute.org, and you can, uh, you, can, you can join the journey. We'd love to. We'd love to have you. So, it's all mobile, so you can yep. not just like from your laptop. It'll work on your iPad, your iPhone, so you can take breaks and watch some at work or whatever the case is. And it's a fully online school, so yep. it is an online um, online college. Join us. We'd love to have you. Amen. Okay, AmericanInstitute.org. O-R-G. I mean, guys, guess what? Time's we're up. Done. We're, we're done. That's what the music is telling us. I'll see you guys next Tuesday. Yep. Yes, sir. We can uh, do this all again. If you have a question during the week, send it to BibleGuys at SalemLR.com or just wait till next week when we're back on at 5 o'clock here at 101.1 FM, The Answer, and call 823-0965. See you tomorrow, 2 o'clock. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.